Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a special guest with us, my friend Caitlin Burke. And Caitlin was a little bit nervous to come on the podcast, and she was certainly uh, a little bit hesitant to record well, when we actually got here. It took a little bit to warm up to the uh, to the show and kind of feeling comfortable and doing all that kind of good stuff. But we eventually uh, got into it, had a great conversation. Uh, Caitlin loves photography, and I wanted to mainly talk about an interesting project that she did uh, uh kind of in and just out of college. It took a couple of years to do. Uh, it's what she would call a visual storytelling project. It was really interesting, and I definitely wanted to have her talk about it and kind of give you her perspective on what it was, because when she told me about it, I thought it was really interesting. But without any further ado, let's get right into the episode. So please, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have with us a good friend of mine, Miss Caitlin Burke. Caitlin, how are we doing? Super Super fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you seem a little nervous. You all right? I am a little, yeah, I'm a little, you know. Like I said earlier, this is like the photographer who's used to being behind the camera who is now in front of the lens and has no idea what to do with her hands how do i stand what do i say well luckily it's it's, it's, it's audio, weird on it's this audio only so you can do whatever you want good, we're all good my hands... no gang signs that would be offensive so let's not go there ooh well <laughs> damn it I guess all my all... fancy <laughs> just took all her wall animals are out of the question now i had an epic giraffe up my sleeve but... ooh Maybe take pictures of that one later. Might be a little, anyway. might be a little jealous. I'm like the bird is about all I could do there. <laughs> I forget, man. There were some key animals I could do when I was younger. One definitely a dog. Dog was on on the mic. A barking dog. And then solid. Obviously the bird. <laughs> but that was bird. also I mean, Napoleon Dynamite because the bird. I don't know what that means. Well, people who are at all connected with popular culture in any shape way or form will probably know what yeah I'm that's about. definitely not me <laughs> yeah i'm i'm stuck yeah uh, many years ago i didn't bring over my cassette tape um to show it to you so i'm sorry well shit we could have done the vhs but that's all right it's all right but yes i'm doing great it's a great day awesome. it's a great wonderful sunday that it is crazy thunderstorm blacked out sky on the way here and yeah all it of a was... sudden it just like I was and up then, in like uh, Wellington this morning and I was facing the wrong direction. I was sitting outside like at our coffee shop and I was like, okay, like what the heck's going on? All of a sudden I hear thunder. I'm like, I'm looking up at the sky. Like it looks gorgeous. I see tons of people driving by with kayaks on their trucks and like a bunch of mountain bikes. There must be like a trail up there. So I'm going to need to look at that and <laughs> see what's possible because there was a bunch of really nice bikes driving through there. 
I fell out of Santa Cruz on the way here. And nice. I was like, You're probably going to the knob. Where are you going? <laughs> the, the only place around here, the knob. Because uh, I, I, a lot of times pass them going up 585. They're coming down 585. And it's like, hey, you guys are going to go ride some real mountain bikes. I'm going to go to the kitty trail because that's all the skills that I have. But uh, I was like sitting there. And we were just like hanging out, talking bullshit. And all of a sudden, like I hear some thunder booms. I'm like, what the shit? I'll turn around. It's like black. I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> That's like the most exciting time, though. That's I, when I'm like, let's 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 fucking see what she's got. If like, I was home, like yeah, like let's go out in the backyard and see what this bad boy's got. But like when I'm driving home, like well, true driving kind of. So I, I literally like like was driving south. It was chasing me the whole way. Did you feel like you were in Twister? Not so much. I wasn't so much scared for my life. But it just it was strange. Well, they're not scared for their lives. They're scared for uh, I don't know. They're pumped for science. Well, there's the excitement is some of that with Dorothy one and Dorothy two, of course. But it's just and that that pipe man saved <laughs> their lives. And that leather belt, that that damn leather belt. I mean, it ripped Barnes in half, but that pipe. Yeah, and that, and and that, and that leather, leather belt, belt. <laughs> stood the test of time. <laughs> but uh, but like I got home. And, like, I wanted to stop at Chipotle. And, of course, like, the freaking line's out the door. I'm, like, I'm way too lazy to stand in line. Have you been to a Chipotle? That's yeah. usually how it is, like, 24-7. I live in a small town. It's normally not that That's bad. That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's usually, like, four people in there. And you get in. And I Dude, s- order ahead I is s- bomb. You get points. I was points. driving. You get points. For free shit I, in the I can't, future. I can't just order for, while I'm driving. They don't have call in. Um, you just stop. It takes thirty seconds to pick out your order. Put your hands. I was being on. chased by a thunderstorm. Like, oh, oh my god, you're so. <laughs> you were you were being chased by a thunderstorm so very much that Chipotle was an option. <laughs> But you couldn't stop for three seconds. Of, oh my god! You got it. So no, okay. I was I was just bummed because like I wanted Chipotle. <laughs> I got back into town and it was busy, so I was too lazy to wait in line and went and got a sandwich and just went home. But time I got home, it was starting to rain. And then like as I was like sitting at home chilling out, it's like oof, starting to rain really hard. That is one <laughs> thing like, I miss hell. about living at my parents' house is they lived on two acres of land and we had an awesome front porch and we had space where we could actually see over trees and see the storms actually kind like coming in. in and like seeing like, you know, the skies change and the leaves all turn over on the trees and just sit there, you know, as not when I was younger, but as I got older, <laughs> sitting on the front porch with my dad, like drinking a beer, just like, I don't know, it was kind of feel, feels like a, what's that, King of the Hill? Like, yep. <laughs> like watching the storm come in. And I'm like, now, like I love where I live, but I'm I'm very in the trees. And I'm like in a ravine, kind of like on the bottom unit of like a condo complex. So I'm like in the trees. Yeah, you, probably, you probably can't really see anything coming. No, I see it. Like it's interesting. It's a different take. It's kind of like it feels safer, if that makes sense. Because I okay, feel like you're I'm kind of surrounded. Like, yeah, I'm not up where like the wind and all the crazy is. I'm like kind of down, like closer to the ground and like in a ravine. So like. In my mind, I'm like, there's all these trees around me, but if anything falls, like, it's got two whole condos it's going to take out before it gets to me, you know? But I can see, like, the, uh, like, if the clouds roll and it's real dark all of a sudden, and I look out the window and I'm like, oh, why, why does it look like eight o'clock all of a sudden? Like, that's how I know. But it's, it does suck because I can't just, like, look out the window and be like, oh, sweet sunset. I'm like, I have no fucking idea what's going on out there. Yes, there's trade offs and everything, right? But, 
what are you gonna do i got a sweet view of like i have my own forest like i can drink coffee too so i can't really complain i mean it's just a matter of like what you want more right because if you wanted more of the the open area then you'd like look for a place that was like that you know i mean it's it's just kind of how that works i know we've talked many times if we could just plow down our entire condo complex and then build a house exactly where it is and keep everybody like away from us so we didn't have all the traffic that would be like the bomb that would be like a billionaire you have to own all the property and kick everybody out well when i win on that ten dollar scratch off one day (laughs) i don't i don't do how's that working how's that working for you i haven't done a scratch off in probably like 10 years i don't yeah, i've, I don't I've know. bought lottery tickets twice ever it was when the mega millions got to like a gajillion dollars or whatever it was like three, the mega millions years. got to a gajillion dollars Something like i that. don't know that that's legally possible i'm pretty sure it's pretty close to that okay. it, it might have been a google i don't remember it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a couple of years ago and it was like a shit ton of money i'm like Fuck it. I'm going to go buy three tickets. Is a shit ton more than another ton of another thing? I would assume so because it's used in such like veracity of but like, the word. But it's a ton. Like, it's so a like, sh- but it's a shit ton. ton of it's not feathers. just a ton of feathers. It's a shit ton of feathers. I mean, but it's- then it's not just shit. It's shit and feathers because it's a shit ton of feathers. So it's like a devil ton? I don't fucking understand. <laughs> Well, if it's a double ton, then yes, you just admitted the yes. I'm asking. A ton I don't, of another I don't, I don't thing know. is just, the equivalent of a ton seems, of it's, shit. It seems more than a ton because it's a, a shit ton. A ton is a ton. Yeah, but, a if ton is a ton. but if it's a shit ton, it just seems more than a ton. This is a ton of fun. <laughs> exactly. My, my point exactly. I've drank a ton of beer. <laughs> it's only, no. only been a few. It's all right. I know. If I was a mouse, I would absolutely have drank a ton of beer. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I literally like bought tickets once then, and then once I think years ago, like in an office pool, I like chipped in five bucks. I'm like, here, stop fucking bothering me. Here's your five fucking dollars. We're gonna lose anyway, shitheads. But yeah, not not a big fan of the lottery. Of course, I stop in the gas station way too often to buy monsters or soda or whatever, and like people in there every damn day getting lottery tickets. I'm like. You know what? You know what kind of solidified it for me, which was probably perfect timing, because don't you have to be eighteen to even buy lottery tickets? Eighteen or twenty-one? I don't know. I feel like it's eighteen to even get like the scratch-offs. Probably. Maybe you have to be twenty-one to like send in like the Ohio whatever it is where you get to like be on their little game show. I don't know what they're. No idea. Anyway, but so I worked at a Circle K convenient store, not the gas station. There was no gas station attached. It was just convenient mart. But I would see the same people come in every single shift that I worked. And I'm like, you just dropped like a hundred fucking dollars on scratch offs. And you're doing this like five times a week. And that's just when you're there. And that that's my Imagine point. Imagine the that's other my times point there. exactly. And I think that was like this thing where like I already have a trend for seeing patterns just because of how my mind works and being like a graphic designer and stuff. I see patterns and everything, but like I started seeing patterns in people and I'm like, if you would put all the fucking money you were trying to put into this damn lottery into a fucking savings account, you could have bought a car in the last two fucking years that you've been coming here. Are you out of your mind? Like, oh my God. And I'm like, but you come in here every fucking day with a torn up, disgustingly dirty t-shirt Hoping to like what? 
scratch off and just have like the fucking golden spoon given to you directly from God? Like, what the fuck? I think that's exactly what like, they're going for. <laughs> just what the like? Oh my god. But it's also like I get it. I'm like the third party viewing like what they obviously like. I, there's probably a shit ton of stuff in my life where if somebody was looking at me, they'd be like, "Why the what the fuck are you doing that?" And I'd be like, "I don't know." I'm sure there's lots of that. <laughs> like we all have issues like that. And there was a, a guy back in my CrossFit days. He was one of the coaches there, a buddy of mine, and he would go every week and buy scratch off tickets. You know, and and he would admit it. It wasn't like a problem. He wasn't addicted. He's like, "Fuck it." Like. Sometimes I win some money. Sometimes I don't. It is what it is. And it's like, it's, it's extra money. I don't need it. It's, it's no different than going out to eat or going to play golf or doing whatever. It's To him, it's just entertainment. I'm like, okay, well, as long as you're not like pissing your fucking mortgage away, I guess, well, what do I have to say? It's none of my business. Mm-hmm. you know. But I, 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 I sat him down one morning. We used to all like go get breakfast together, like a big group of us, like 10 people, you know, and and of course, like there was like the local place, like right next to the gym, and like one of the waitresses there, like was one of the coaches. So we'd always get like her section. We all know how this goes, right? Like, um, and I, I asked him one day, I'm like, dude, like how often do you buy tickets? You know, because he's like sitting there scratching some shit off or whatever, and he's like, like every week, man, I'm like oh, every week. I'm like, fucking why? Like, I don't get it. And he, and he's, he kind of explained that to me. He's like, this is just what I do for entertainment. Like, it's extra money. I don't really care. I don't have a lot of other hobbies or whatever. So like, I'm because like I piss money away on my hobbies, like. As, as I realize I've gotten older, like hobbies cost a lot of money. So that like, is one thing I can say, like for a lot of people that came in, like especially like not just the scratch offs, but like the mega millions, the pick threes, the pick fours, the others, uh, like a billion of them that there's like an actual, I didn't know this until I started working there. There's like an actual computer system that, you know, people will come in and like they'll, they could either pick a random number that's going to do whatever with some kind of algorithm, or they could come in and be like, these are the five numbers I want to play. Yes. And so people have like this whole like strategically. They have like a system. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this whole like, I don't know, like this obsessive, like they feel like they're going to figure out this, this puzzle. And I'm like, this is not the puzzle you should be solving. It's a puzzle that's like designed for you to lose and it's random every time there is no pattern but yeah but if you keep playing your birthday man you are gonna fucking win 10 million dollars <laughs> in, in about you know four hundred fifty-eight thousand tries possibly <laughs> but it was like i asked my buddy i was like okay it's like what if you did like a social experiment like take the money you're spending say it's 20 bucks a, a week whatever it is doesn't matter like why don't you take half of that and just put it cash in an envelope, throw it in your safe in your in your apartment, and at the like, and if you pay your play your other ten bucks or whatever, whatever you win, if it's a thousand bucks, a hundred thousand dollars, if it's two dollars, don't buy more tickets. Just put it in cash in the envelope and see at the end of the year which envelope has more cash. You know, and I, I would love to see an experiment like that done because That's, I would. You could do that with literally anything, like anybody who's trying to save money. Like I didn't realize it until honestly, like I got to give a shout out to PNC. What's up? <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> but but for real, um, they like have like a like just I think banking in general has like broken down. Like if you get the apps and stuff, it really breaks down like your spending based on like where you slide your card, you know, where that establishment falls into that category, whether it's sporting goods or a restaurant or entertainment or whatever it's it is. different categories, yeah. Yeah, and it, like, it really, like, brought to light, like, holy shit, like, if I would just stop 
fucking going and buying Panera for lunch and like, I don't know, meal plan and think about it for five seconds and actually pack a fucking lunch. I'm like literally saving hundreds of dollars. I'm like, holy shit. And like, that's you could get a thousands, thousands of dollars oh raised God. every year if you just packed your food. Oh, 100, 110%. And the other thing is like the Starbucks one. Everyone's always like, I need like, <clears throat> I need my Starbucks. Oh my God. No, you don't need fucking anything number one go get some cheap ass coffee i know i'm a coffee snob i like good coffee i have spent up to like 30 dollars on a stupid bag of coffee and it was the best choice i've ever made by yeah, the way but, but dare i say like get some good coffee that yeah, you enjoy and but there's some own. coffee i i hate keurigs and it's not i'm not trying to be like a. Th- those I'm, are like I'm, the single serving container thing which is right? fine i have a single serving I'm coffee ma- yes okay. they are but there i have a single serving coffee maker that makes a single serving but my problem with keurigs is i have found that they are consistently incredibly acidic Really? They just, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if they like kind of dilute. Like I always brew my coffee really bold, but I always feel like they're really like light kind of okay. like, and I've tried a billion different kinds of Keurig. I was like, I don't know what it is about Keurig or how they like what their brewing system is. I don't know. But I personally just feel like their coffee is really, really, really this light and just like acidic when it's, it doesn't feel balanced to me yeah but but you could save shit tons of money though if you just made your own plus you're gonna make better coffee anyway oh especially yeah especially if you get like whole beans and you grind it yourself you know like I, um I, I i don't really do coffee granted i know that i should i listen to so many podcasts like health people talking about literally like there's statistics to prove that coffee drinkers live longer you know, and I really believe that that's because people like me who don't drink coffee, what do I drink instead? I drink soda. I, I drink like sugar-free Ugh, no. monsters. I, I, I drink these horrible things for me that they're, they're all just chemicals. Like, and I realize that, but I also like staying awake and not falling asleep everywhere. So, but you're, but the reason that it's not working for you is because like it's the same thing with any other. I'm going to call it a drug because that's essentially what it is. Is any other drug you build up a tolerance? Yeah, it's probably the same way where like if you don't drink one for a couple of days, you probably get a headache. You're probably kind of grumpy. I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm never that bad. Like really? Yeah, because there's there's whole weeks at a time that I'll go without any caffeine. And it's, it's no big deal. It doesn't affect me. I never have caffeine on the weekends. You know, I usually only ever have it at work to try to stay awake. Yeah. Um, well. But it's like, I mean, but it's not like, oh, well, except for I do, I do have them for the podcast because I like to be alert. I like to be awake. But then I drink like coffee stuff and I've got these things in my little mini fridge here that I, that I got from Black Rifle Coffee, you know, and it's like, I don't like, I don't like coffee so much, but it's like I get. Yeah. I, but here's the thing. If you make your own coffee at home. You have complete control over what you're putting in the coffee. So you just have the beans. Whatever the fuck you choose to add with it, you can add whatever you want to make it taste however you want it to taste so that you can get it down if you don't like the taste of it. Looking at this can, this is 14 grams of added sugar. That's 28 fucking percent added sugar. Yeah. That's disgusting. This is disgusting. We were just talking about I disagree. I think it tastes delicious. Okay. (laughs) I know. It does taste delicious. And like those things are super fun on occasion. But like, for example, like I, I'm not a coffee person without sugar. I'm not going to say sugar's like, cut out sugar. Like, no, I fucking love sugar. Okay. I love it. But I also like have toned my whole diet, like of the extra sugar intake down so much 
that when I do taste something that's like that loaded with sugar, I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> like, oh my God, like, cause it's so much and you could really taste it. And we were just talking about this like a couple weeks ago when, um, what the hell was that soda from the 90s? Surge. Okay. When Surge first came out, there was like an uproar from parents because there was like 46 grams of sugar or something stupid in it, which was like twice the amount of Coke, Pepsi, like anything else on the market. And they were like, oh my God, like our children are going to die, like whatever the fuck their problem was. They should drink a shit ton of Surge. Okay. Yeah. And what year did Surge come out? Like, I don't know, in the, the 90s at some point, right? Look at any Coke, any Pepsi. They're, they have literally increased their sugar content. That surge is like fucking yesterday's normal, new. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's, in, that's why we're all fucking fat. Like, hello. No, that sugar might be because we just f- eat too much. I mean, I stress. I, 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 I stress eat. I love carbs. I love me some pasta. By the way, green olives, throw that shit in your pasta sauce. Oh, <laughs> love it. See, I'm just more addicted to the sugar part of it, but it's like, I just, I haven't gotten the the taste for coffee yet, and I can't drink it black. There's no way. You know what's really really good? And if, and really, if I put really some good. cream and sugar in there, I can kind of drink it. Perfect, but. perfect thing for you then, for you don't have to put sugar in it because I've done this, and I, I just visited my very lovely sister in Oregon, and she is very like use everything that you can. Very mm-hmm. like. She's much more along the way of knowing how to like use all the parts of whatever she gets than I. I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do with this vegetable. I bought it for one meal with hell, you know. But anyway, let me back it up. So they make coffee in the morning and they put it in a thermos so that it doesn't cook on the coffee pot, but it still stays hot. So whenever they need like coffee or whatever, they can go get it. But after that, they put it in a mason jar and then they put it in the fridge and then you have iced coffee for later, which is like brilliant. Cause I'm like, I, when I'm done, I'm like, well, I also have a single make coffee maker, but I'm like, if I made a whole pot, I'd probably throw it out. Cause I'd be like, oh, fuck it. I'll just make more tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't even think like, Hey, you could probably drink this later. Right. So they have a mason jar in the fridge, throw a couple ice cubes in there, do about like half a glass of coffee and half a glass of milk. It's so good. You don't need any sugar at all. It well, cuts there's out also a lot su- of the bitterness. There's also sugar in the milk too, but Shh, we there, don't need no, no. There's there no is. Sugar. There it is. depends. Well, well, I drink whole milk, so there's a lot of sugar in that. Oh, shit. Every, who doesn't uh, drink whole milk? Uh, communist, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's like I I think the thing I struggle with most about the coffee is like I just don't like hot drinks. I'm an asshole and I'm impatient. Were we not just talking about iced coffee? Well, of course. Uh, but it's like I, I want to drink it fast. So it's like when I've had coffee before, I've done the iced coffee and I tolerate that much better. But it's like I stopped the other day and got a cold brew, which apparently is stronger. Um, but like I, I started drinking on it like normally like what I would get at the coffee shop, you know, iced coffee with whole milk. I just got a cold brew with whole milk. And I don't know if they use cream or whole milk. I have no idea. But it's like I got it to the office and I was sipping on it. I'm like, this is way too strong for me. Like I had to go up front and get some sugar and put in there because like I just – I wasn't able to really drink it. So I was like – I've debated on making my own cold brew, like getting some coffee just to do that. But Why don't you just practice patience? Um, or why don't you make some coffee the night before? Pop it in a mason jar or whatever the fuck you want to put it in and throw it in the fridge. And that way you have ice cold coffee in the morning and then you can make iced coffee when you're trying to get ready and go to work. But I thought that there was the difference of when you made the coffee, whether it was cold brewed, 
whether and compared to like being like hot brewed like or, or um dripped or steeped or whatever i mean if you want to get fancy about it i'm just trying to make some fucking coffee <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make some fucking i'm just coffee. trying to make some fucking coffee i don't care how it's made i care that there's bean water in front of me that has caffeine <laughs> in it it's gonna God make me stay away damn it <laughs> don't get so technical you make about it, it sounds I, that's the problem i overthink everything this yeah is, this is what just, i do yeah, chill the fuck out. Just make some. Co- Maybe you don't need coffee. Maybe you need anti-coffee. Maybe you need CBD. Just be zen with yourself. I I tried that when I first hurt my hip to see if it would help, like with the inflammation and all that kind of good stuff. And I did notice that it was very calming. Yeah. But I didn't get a lot of the uh, the pain relief that people have talked about. I don't but. know that I've experienced any kind of pain relief. I've used topicals before. Um, it's pretty much like an inflammation thing for me. It's not really a pain thing. I think the pain part's a lot of mental. But I also don't know what kind of ailments are supposed to be pain relieving yeah. with that. I'm not an expert in the topic, but who knows? Fair enough. All right. So getting off of coffee here, uh, when you're out visiting your sister, what kind of fun things you guys get into? <laughs> well, I'm laughing because probably like my fun, like my funnest. Yeah. Great grammar over here. Okay. The most funnest ever. The most funnest ever thingest that we dididest. No. Um... <laughs> So we were actually on our way um, – okay, time out. Rewind. So she didn't know I was coming. This was a sneaky, sneaky surprise visit that was planned behind her back with her husband, my lovely brother-in-law, Troy. Um, and so I started planning a trip out to see her. She lives in Bend, Oregon, which is a great place. However, they don't like tourists who don't respect their area. And the fact that they don't leave trash all over the fucking ground and all that garbage. So if you have no respect for the planet, don't fucking go there. Anyway. (laughs) Sorry. I was looking for a sticker the whole time I was there. They had a marketing campaign going that said, um, Ben sucks. Don't come here. And I was like, I want this sticker so fucking bad. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was so (laughs) upset. But it is like it's in the middle of nowhere. Technically, kind of. It's like. Whenever anybody over here on this side of the country, I think, thinks of Oregon, they immediately think of Portland. And that's the only thing they think of is like, oh, it's Portland. I'm like, but there is so, like, Oregon is such a vastly, like, wide, it has such a vast, oh my God, what am I trying to say? There's so many different landscapes is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So there's obviously the Rockies that, like, cut straight through the state. And everything that is on, like west of the Rockies is like this incredibly lush, like wet, like um, what's the uh, word I'm looking for? It's like a temperate rainforest. Okay. So the mountains block all the moisture coming in off of the ocean. So everything that's it's captured east, on that side. Yeah, yeah, everything that's east is literally like desert. Like it's like. It's just like a it's like a light switch when you drive over the mountains. It's crazy. So she lives in Bend, which is on the eastern kind of side. If you're looking at Oregon as a whole, it's kind of it's considered central Oregon, but it's like east of the Rockies, so it's closer to like that whole kind of deserty kind of feel. Gotcha. So she lives where they're like, and it's just I don't know. There's so many things to do there. It's so crazy cool. I don't want to like promote it so much because I'm horrible like, don't, people. Don't go. <laughs> don't go there. It Bend is sucks. shitty. 
Also, serious disclaimer though, if you do want to go there, if you have no desire to be outside, like you're gonna hate it. Like, <laughs> like, and that's legit. Like, this place is built for people who. If you want, like video games, this is not the place. This for is you. not the place for you <laughs> at all. If you like, go good, to Vegas. If you like good beer, if you like being outside, if you're a mountain climber. Um, mountain biker, kayaker, well, mountain biker, all that kind of rock stuff, I would climbing, assume. Yeah. Like all that shit. All the outdoors like, activities. This place is like literally like like it's like God handing you like this perfect playground. But minus the water. Minus well, no, that's the thing. There's water everywhere. It's it's the weirdest fucking landscape I've ever experienced in my life. So we did let me backtrack. We went last year to see them or the year before. I forget. My timeline's all fucked up. I think it was a year ago. We went in May, and May is great because all of the snow is melting off the mountains, so the rivers and the waterfalls are just, like, crazy, and there's, like, waterfalls popping up that literally aren't even there any other time of the year. So we went, and we were, like, hiking all over the place, so we went to uh, Tumalo Falls, which is a huge, like, touristy falls to go to, absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, we, we hiked all through there, and there's – it's – it's literally like a rainforest. It's the weirdest thing. Like I'm like it's like the moss that you are familiar with when you think of Savannah, Georgia, like hanging off the trees and like that just that lushness, but it's in like the middle like you're up in the mountains and you're like what the hell? It shouldn't be here. What's going on? Yeah, but then you literally drive an hour east and you're in the badlands and it's fucking desert and lava rock and juniper trees and tiny little bushes that are like a foot and a half high that are just like those little crispy branches that like poke you in the leg and there's like we're hunting for bones we found an entire spine in the desert because like everything just like dries up in the sun (laughs) there's nothing out there but last year when we went we uh visited it's a it's called a lava shoot because it's real, like that whole area, that whole entire like corner of the country basically is all like lava or like old volcanic activity. So there's little buttes everywhere, which are like little lava bubbles that made like mini mountains. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it without knowing. Interesting. As, a, as an Easterner, <laughs> poorly, poorly, poorly describing what a butte is. From the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, it's not a mountain, but it's like, it, it is. I mean, it's like there's a butte in the middle of their city and it is literally How big like. Are they? Oh God! Like hundred foot, ten foot, two foot. No, I mean you. It's a like a. It's pretty fucking high, but okay. it's not a mountain. Like okay. it's probably like a couple. It's a thousand feet, maybe. Oh, I don't Jesus, know. That's pretty big. I mean, it's it's a big hill. Okay, it's, it's big, but it's okay. not a mountain. Like, okay, I got you. So when you go out, and I'm there, thinking, I'm literally thinking like six feet tall. I'm like, oh, it's adorable. But I think like in Ohio, we see landscapes of like hilly, like rolling hills. Yes. But like when you go out there, it's like you're either fucking flat or a, or a fucking mountain. Like that's what it is. So like these are like little like hiccups almost along the way, <laughs> which okay. I know that sounds stupid, but like, hey, whoever's listening, Google a butte and you'll fucking get what i'm talking about hopefully but they if are you're driving stop first it's almost like okay picture here's a good visual for you okay you're making some lovely pasta sauce on your on your range and you're doing a slow boil right so before that bubble comes up and pops it creates that perfect little like boop on that's what a butte is <laughs> and it's made because that's what's happening underneath is like the lava was basically like creating like these little like hot spots and all this shit so there's like lava things and lava references like all over the place like a car wash called like the lava rock and just stupid shit like that okay but 
the uh, lava shoot super cool because it's like a mile long trail where the lava literally shot a completely round cave through the fucking ground for a mile, like shot it through the fucking ground. It's the craziest shit you've ever seen. And you get a headlamp and then you just walk through like it's it's all uneven. You got to walk over a lot of shit. But like when you look up, like you're literally in a completely round like like tunnel like tunnel yeah Yeah, it's like the craziest shit like we like we ohio doesn't have any landscape like they're they're like totally different plants totally different rocks totally different ground like nothing is the same it's just bonkers that we're in the same country with something so so crazy is like this country is so big and vast you know it's like i i talk about this a lot it's like if you go over to europe i remember hearing this from a gentleman who uh, came over to study mathematics Got his like master's, PhD, or whatever mathematics, and I think he's now a dual citizen, uh, German and uh, U.S. Uh, but he, he talked about how strange it is. Like you guys don't understand. Like where I grew up in Germany, it's like I could drive two hours in any direction and be in like four different countries. Mm-hmm. Here you can drive four hours and still be in the same damn state. Like you have no idea how big and vast this country is. It's so amazing. You you all take it for granted because you've been here forever. You know, and like people like me, like I've not really traveled a whole lot. So I've, I've like the farthest west I've been is, uh, uh, what Utah. Oh, you know, man, you and gotta it was, get out there. and it was beautiful. <laughs> I, mean, I remember like, like flying in. Utah's amazing. Like, cause I remember like just looking out of the, uh, like the, it wasn't like my hotel window. It like kind of like walk down to like the end of the hallway and kind of see it out. You can see the mountains off in the distance and they look like they're like a hundred yards away. You'll you drive know, for like twelve hours. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like they're so far away, but like they're just so massive. There's nothing else in the way. It was just like, holy shit, this is so different. It was just, it was crazy. There's been like, yeah, I've gone on. I'm a big road tripper, real big road tripper. Like I love history, but I don't like the boring history and the history that they lovely tell you like in a history book where they conveniently leave out like the biggest chunk of the story so that your country looks good whoever's telling the story i don't like that you have to remember the the winners of the battle write the history books right right (laughs) sure yeah no but like yeah like when i go i'm the type of person where when i go on vacation or if i'm going to travel somewhere like I'm not going to spend like $2,000 to go to a man-made resort to do man-made things. Like, why the fuck would I do that? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I want to be like, okay, well, if I'm going to go down to Mexico, I'm probably going to go by like the Mayan towers or, you know, or, or temples and things and like figure it, like go hiking or something, you know, or see what it's about. So like, I always want to know, like, everywhere I've gone, like, I've been like, well, where's the closest national park? Like, what do we got to see? Like, I want to know what's going on. And um, I need to vastly expand my collection. But I started making um, little jars. I started collecting dirt from okay. all the different places that I would go. Okay. And so I'm like the weirdo with like just random Ziploc <laughs> sandwich baggies full of fucking dirt. We'll get you know, like a <laughs> jars or something fancy. We don't need Ziploc well, baggies. But to come home, you <laughs> oh, can't no, really no, have I, I, like I a you. jar. Like I have, I have a bunch of these little jars at home that are about the same size. Um, and I just like write out where I went and stick it on the top or whatever. But like, so I've got sand and like dirt from like a mountain lake, Elk Lake up in Oregon, which is gorgeous. Um, we've gotten sand from like Utah and like uh, uh, Arizona and stuff like that. But I'm like, man, like that's just so different. Like how crazy, like just people need to get out of Ohio if they haven't been and like, yeah. see other things. It's like, a very vast country. Oh my God. Like. 
that's going to be a tangent. Unless you want to go down that road, we <laughs> should probably change something. Yeah, let's, let's not go down that road. All right, so, so you're out visiting your sister, and this is a surprise trip. She didn't know you were coming. Holy shit, we were talking about that. We were that. talking about that. Wow, there's that ADD kicking out for you. <laughs> yeah, what was the topic? that we? What was the original question? Uh, what did you do when you went out to visit your sister? What kind of yeah. fun things did you get into? Sweet. So, yeah, the whole reason I went to the last trip I was there is because this time, in between me planning the trip and me actually going to the trip, I found out that my sister is pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that kind of puts a little bit of a change on certain things I wanted to do. All right. Well, um, first things first. Can we talk about this in the podcast? Is it still... Is it... It's it's open okay, to the family. Okay. We're okay. Thought I'd ask. It's, it has been announced, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Not a surprise anymore. <laughs> yes. The family has been notified. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so she's pregnant. Um, so it's been taking a little bit of a toll on her and she hasn't been able to do a lot of the physical things she's been wanting to do. So mountain biking was obviously immediately taken off the table um, unless I wanted to go with Troy. But Troy scares me. <laughs> He is significantly more advanced than me, and that is a much different landscape than anything I've mountain biked in Ohio. Like, wow. Yeah, here we have very simple trails out there. It seems to be very intense. You know what sucks about Ohio, and I'm hoping that if it picks up, it'll change, is that we don't have a lot of cross-country trails. And I'm talking cross-country where, like, it's a lot of, like, kind of semi-flat, meandering, like, actual mileage coverage. Yeah, all we have close to that around here is, like, towpath stuff. Yeah, like, we have towpath. It's super flat. But it's not in the woods. It's not, yeah. like, and I'm like, we only have these very condensed areas that we can bike in. And it's like, you have to, like, go to that place and do laps in the same circle. And I'm like, but yeah, out there. Yeah, most of them are only, like, a few miles. Unless yeah. you go down to, like, Mohican, where that's, like, 20-some miles. But the problem with that is, is like you you can't break it up in like little loops like a lot of the other places around here. So if you can't handle twenty miles, like don't fucking go there. Exactly. There's because no like if you want to do up. if you want to do ten, you're walking out the rest of the way. But well, we did go like when I I was hoping to go, but I was I was very intimidated, and I also didn't want to like obviously be like, oh, well, I came to visit you, sister. But we're gonna but go mountain biking. <laughs> like peace out like no i also felt bad because like one of my favorite places is like so there's a lot of um outdoor bars and things like that like seating and just like markets and just that general kind of lifestyle out there yeah so there's a really cool bar like right up around the corner from where they live they it's like super quick like five minutes walking distance which is like one of my favorite things to do when i go out there because there's like permanent food trucks set out in front um they can kind of close it with like the the um like plastic curtains and stuff in the winter and like kind of warm it up inside a little bit but it is very like the weather's the weather and we're a bar and we just kind of have this like overhang but the, the seating's outside like we're here op- like year round like, like cold, hey guess what it's winter it snows in the winter newsflash for everybody that like, didn't fucking know that living in the middle of Oregon like you know and that's what's so like nice about people out there is because like they're built for that and they're like yeah and like people out here like they're like oh my god it's snowing i'm like have you not fucking been to ohio before like yeah it it, does this every year and i'm just like but it sucks like everything like shuts down like there's no open patios i'm like i would totally sit outside and have a beer in my snowsuit are you kidding me like sign me up like but you cut off that opportunity because you just assume nobody wants to come out i'm like they're literally like 
ski lodges and towns like Breckenridge are like thriving from people who like to do literally exactly that. Like, why can't we do that here? But it's just nice because it's very like, it's oddly family oriented too, which is really weird. Like the bar. Why is, it, why is that weird? Like bars and like oh, oh, establishments oh. are like, they'll like literally have a play area for the kids in the corner because it's just so like normal to just like go have a beer. Like it's not like this like, oh, you're drinking. Like like it feels yeah, like that in Ohio in comparison. Because it's like, like my family, like we grew up and like nobody really had alcohol at family get togethers. Whereas, granted, we probably all really needed it to get through the family get-togethers. But now that, like, a lot of, like, the kids, like, like myself and, like, my cousins, like, we're older now, it's like, we just bring beer. Like, I don't care. I'm Beer's, sta- like, I'm, the staple like, of our I'm going, family. Yeah, I'm going to take beer. Like, whereas lots of families, they might grow up maybe with wine or whatever. Yeah. Like, my family never did any drinking. But it's like, I always take beer now to family get-togethers. First of all, it makes it more fun. Yeah. Well, I don't think, like, for family get-togethers, like, growing up, I don't remember, like, there being any kind of, like, drinking, like, when I was younger. I honestly think it was probably, like, once the college kids or the kids, like, of, like, the cousins, you know, got to that age where they were like, oh, we can drink now, too. And they started, like, tasting different things and stuff. Then the parents were like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is something cool I can do with my legal age kid now. And then it kind of started. But, like, I think a lot of it came from my aunt. And our, or my cousins, they are like super beer people. Like they're always trying some crazy beer and yeah. on all these beer apps, checking weird stuff in all the time and everything. So like we would pick up beer because we're like, oh, well, we know for a fact that there's going to be other members of our family there who are going to like openly drink and want to talk about the beers and yeah, I just, do I just, tasting notes. So it wasn't just like, let's get fucking hammered. Well, like, but it's, it's not about getting wasted. It's more just like have a few beers. Let's enjoy ourselves. Have a good time. And it's no big deal. Like nobody's getting drunk. Except for there might be an uncle who may or may Except not just for Aunt Mildred. Ne- no. never stop drinking. So that just kind of is what it is. You know, it's just it's part of his DNA at this point, I think. But it's just like, yeah, I don't care now. I just I take a six pack and I have a couple and I give some to my cousins if they don't have any. But normally they bring some too. So we're sharing and doing whatever. It's like, yeah, we have a couple of beers and it's no big deal. But I don't see this huge stigma of, oh, my God, you can't drink around your kids. It's so horrible. It's like. I, I just went to visit my daughter in Texas a few months ago, and I taught her how to make a 7 and 7. You know, so I told her, like, you will not drink White Claw. Yeah, she's also not 10. There's that. You know, she's, <laughs> you know, she's 17. You know, but it's like, but I think this is important because it's like, she's going to drink. She's going to have fun. She's going to do the same stupid shit that kids always do. So I'd rather her know how to make it, know what to feel like, because, like, she, she and her sister, like, I taught them both how to make them, and, like, I made the first one for them, showed them how, and the second one, I made them make their own. You know, and like after the second one, they're about halfway through it. I'm like, all right, I'm pointing to my temples, right? I'm like, you're feeling it here yet? You know, and they're both like, yeah. I'm like, that's the feeling you're going for. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to drink more than that. Like you just kind of want to drink enough to get there. Have a little fun. It's it's a good time. There's nothing but wrong that's with that. What, that's the part of being drunk that you like. <laughs> they might, hey, maybe they they like, might discover a totally different drink. Maybe they like throwing However, up afterwards. That's fine. But. I will say... Kudos to you for the aspect of there has been some experiences with certain alcohols where I can't, I, I will never revisit those alcohols. Well, yeah, but it's like, this. It's, it's a good mixer. It's simple. It's a good way to start. Exactly. And it's like I told my daughter, if you get to appreciate good beer and good whiskey, it's like, you may not find that to be very valuable now, but trust me when I say when you're 25, some guy is going to find that very attractive. <laughs> 
And maybe well, maybe that's just short sighted on my part because you know I make fun of people who drink white claw. You know I don't what? Know. You know what? Birds of a feather flock together. Okay, <laughs> so whatever whatever she is personally going to be into, that's her journey. Hey, yeah, maybe she'll like vodka tonics. I don't know. Maybe but. she's gonna be a gin girl. Yeah, is, maybe is, she likes pine trees like a lot. Is as long as she makes her own drinks, I'm happy. And I told her, do <laughs> not true. drink at parties. Drink and with your friends in small groups. And if somebody goes and gets you a beer, there's absolutely no reason for them to have cracked it open before it got to you. Nope. Just heads up for that one. No, no, we've, <laughs> we've we have had those conversations. And if it's a twist off, yeah. Also, no reason for it to have been opened before it got to you. <laughs> no. Yes, because unfortunately, bad things happen because well, guys are creeps. <laughs> Well, everybody's creeps. You never know who the fuck's doing it these days. Just True you, story. just be mindful of everything around you, because ugh. Wise words. Because people are scary. <laughs> because ugh. Because right. ugh. So, what fun things did you get into since your sister? Could oh my god! Normal- Holy fuck! Can we not stay on a topic? <laughs> no, we're good. No, no, this Christ. this is good. Like these are these are good <laughs> segues into good conversation. Hey, by the way, everyone, I have ADD. Have you found it <laughs> <laughs> pleasant yeah. yet? Caitlin has a little bit of ADOTS. I- um, you know what? That's stereotypical, and I'm offended by that. You you might be able to, but that's fine because it's it's a pretty fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty common thing that most people don't know about. But here's the it's thing: it's called attention deficit. Ooh, that's shiny. Ooh, that's shiny. Yes, <laughs> but the thing is, is that actually is a very yeah. That's exactly what happens. But see, now you got me on another tangent. We're trying to All right, talk so what's about the, no, what's Oregon. The, no, what's the other tangent? We can come back to Oregon. No, fuck it. We're talking about no Oregon. other tangent. No, okay. So we're talking about Oregon. I don't remember the other tangent. You won't either. <laughs> No, I don't care. Okay, we're talking about Oregon. So I surprised my sister. I'm trying for my like my life to stay on a topic here. <laughs> would you just fucking help me out? All right. Went to see her in Oregon. It was a great time. Um, we went to Lake Todd, which I found hilarious because we obviously have a mutual friend named Todd. So I was like, ha ha. Anyway, stupid. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. It's interesting because like. I don't know. I kind of like push myself to do things like now looking back, I'm like, that was the easiest thing to do. But in the moment I was like, it was so cold. So like I made myself dunk my ass in like a mountain lake. And if you know anything about a mountain lake, yeah, mountain lakes don't ever change temperature because they're constantly being fed by the ice cold ass snow that's melting on the top of the mountain. So it's like, and I'll bet you that's not 80 degrees. No, it's like 40, maybe low fifties, which is like, Oh, yeah, that sounds great. If you're comparing it to, like, air temperature, no, water temperature. That sounds awful. It's fucking cold. Yeah, think of your shower. You take that at, like, nearly 100. Oh, yeah. So, I, like, we, like, walked ourselves. It took, like, a half hour to, like, baby step our way into this lake. Oh, see, that one, I'd just be like, fuck it and just jump in. Because it's not worth it. I wasn't planning on dunking yet. Oh. And after standing there for a while, it was, like, this weird sensation because there's, like, no humidity in Oregon at all. So, like, you're, like, literally your arms and your shoulders and things that are exposed to the sun, like, you feel like bacon. You can literally feel like your body is, like, sizzling in the sun, but then you're standing in, like, 50-degree water. (laughs) So, it's this really, like, you just feel like, I don't even know, like, you're trying to, like, bake an ice cream sandwich. Like, those dramatically different temperatures, like, meeting up. So, I was just, like, this, like, you had to talk yourself into, like, just fucking do it, you know? And, like, I did, and I, like, dunked myself, and I was, like, oh! Like, I literally went in shock for a second. It was so cold. Honestly, that happens to a lot of people when they do, like, cold plunges is they, they want to breathe in and actually end up sucking up a lot of oh, water. Yeah. yeah. 
This so, is pretty common. Which normally I can totally go in the water without like plugging my nose. But I thought about that because I was like over, I was overplaying the entire situation in my head. <laughs> like I was like, this is going to be like the coldest thing of my life. It's going to suck. It's not going to be that being cold. Like, But I, I, I hate being cold more than almost anything on the entire planet. Like I would rather. Says the woman who wants to sit outside and drink beer in a snowsuit. I'm in a snowsuit. Yeah, but you're still going to be cold here outside. Not if I'm in a snowsuit. I probably am, A, sitting next to a fire, or B, I've just hiked somewhere to get to that point. That's so I will point. be hot as fuck in my snuggly ass snowsuit. That's okay? a good point. If I'm like sitting, like, I'm not going to be the girl that's like, let's go run through the snowdrifts in our bikini. Like, no. Like, have you seen those crazy girls that yes. like ski in their bikinis? Like, no, that's not. Well, me. that also might be like a 50 degree day on like man-made snow it's yeah not, it's gotta be like it's, 80 degrees it's not, a, it's, not shorts. A, it's not a 10 degree day with fresh powder falling that's for damn sure but it, long story short it's fucking cold up there okay but yes i dunked my entire body in the lake and it felt so well, so why weren't you thinking crazy. about dunking in the first place what made because you, i hate being cold so what, well you just wanted to like walk on it and just be miserable from your legs or wait so, what you said you said you weren't planning on dunking yourself you just well wanted... i was definitely gonna get in the water because it was hot out okay. and the water was refreshing but there's Especially when you're a girl and you're in a two-piece. The second cold water hits your stomach, it's like a game changer. Like, your legs are like, eh, whatever. Like, the whole way up. Second it hits your stomach, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. So, it's like, once it hits your stomach, like, you're either all in or you're just, fuck it. You know? So, it's like, you go about waist deep and you're like, if I'm going to do this, like, it's going to be all or it's just not going to happen. Like, it's... It's the stomach. I, I get don't, it. No, it's, I get the, it. it's like the defining line, at least for me. Hey, for, for, for year, from years of swim team, going to cold-ass mornings and having to jump in the water, it was better to just jump in and get it over with. But that was also different because we were going to swim laps and warm up pretty quickly. So It was also like that one, like that journey of like, I'm going to go on a journey of self-discovery in Oregon, whatever. But I was like, I'm pushing myself to do things I'm scared to do. Too, I love it. Which was dunk my ass into a fucking mountain lake. Hey, I, I would want to do that. It's, I did. It was fucking cold. But you know what? It was literally like one of those cryo chamber things. My muscles felt great. Really? They felt. I felt so refreshed. I was like, I felt like I didn't like, even hike here. I felt like let's just start honestly, and get you, going. You hear a lot of like controversial things about that, whether ice baths are good for you or not, or this and that. Some people swear by it. A lot of scientists say no, it's all bullshit. It doesn't work or whatever. But it's like. Scientists that, can say whatever the fuck they want, honestly. But yeah, but I trust Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and she talks a lot about that kind of stuff. That's she's, fine. She's super smart. And I'm sure there's a lot of things out there that a lot of people have done studies on and shit like that, but I also think there's a lot to say for your own brain. Like, there's a lot of, like, people who have an extreme faith that has made them get through things that they otherwise wouldn't have been able no, to get that's, through. That's and that's true. totally it's completely in their, it's in their, in their mind. head. It's, it's all mental, yeah. So you could believe in fucking rocks hanging around your neck, or you could believe that cold-ass water helps your legs when you're hiking. No, I, I don't know. I, I get it, because like I back when I was like weightlifting like very heavily, I'd be like super sore, like literally debating on taking steroids, because... Like, Fuck, you just don't want to hurt so bad, and those help you recover. This is why people get stronger, right? But I remember, like, literally going to the tractor supply company and, like, looking at, like, horse troughs and, like, thinking, fuck, I should buy one of these so I can do, like, an ice bath. Because my big ass, like, I can't do it in my bathtub because it's not big enough. It's big enough for at least half of you. No, it's, it's like my asshole and my ankles. Like, that's it. Like, the rest of me is not underwater. 
So it's like I was looking at. I think it was like a two hundred fifty gallon. Depends on what kind of workout. Okay. Oh god. Dark kids, but uh, I think it was like a 250 gallon horse trough or whatever. I was like, "Fucking, I can build like a little drain for it. There's like a little floor drain here in my basement. I can like plug that bad boy right up to it. Run like a little hose over there from like a little water spout. Fill that bitch up with water. Throw like big giant bags of ice in there and take like a ice bath." And I was like, "Yeah, like a real Nike commercial going like, on here." That sounds fucking awful. I don't want to do that because I've tried taking cold showers. And I'm like, "Fuck no, no, not happening." So kudos to you because. That's not for me. I like nice warm water. <laughs> I mean, it's it's nice being warm, but it, like it's I don't know. It I hate. I literally could. I I hate being cold. I get tension headaches in the winter because my shoulders are like tense. So tense. Like, like four months out of the warm, year, yeah. just consistently like fuck. <laughs> like I have like a triple layer down coat that has two zippers on it, and like all this shit. Like I try to stay warm. I even have a coat that has a battery pack in it. That warms me. Which is adorable, by the way. Okay. Can we just talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> like a so, warming like, jacket. Come on. Dude, I need my heat. I swear I'm a reptilian. Like, I need, like, a heat lamp or something. But. You can't say that because then crazy asshole conservatives will come after you thinking you're trying to, like, rule the world or something. And you what? live underground. What? <laughs> what movies are you needing? Those, that's not movies. No, I think these are these old that's VHS not movies. you have I'm going telling on you. in here. <laughs> You're getting crazy over here. Uh, people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's crazy assholes. <laughs> I don't even know, man. I think you're talking about those like spaghetti worshippers or whatever that wear the colanders on their head. What are those people called? The spaghetti I have monster worshippers? No idea. This sounds fun. Colanders on their head? Yeah. What's that? Somebody made up like a religion of like a, uh, a spaghetti monster and the people wear colanders on their head and that's like a legit. Yeah, I'm going to let you Google it. I've not heard of this one. This sounds fun. I'll have to check that one out later. And now I'm like, should I Google it now? So I under, I, <laughs> now I kind of no, no, want no, to. No, no, no. No Google's up. Put the phone Come away. Come on. Phone away. Come on. We, we don't have young right. Jamie as our producer, we'll so cut, we don't get to do that. Just cut this shit out of the podcast thing. <laughs> no. No one's going to Google stays in. this. It stays all right. in. Well, Google people. Google go people. Google. <laughs> uh, I remember watching uh, a GMBN video when they were like the Andes Pacifico doing like a four or five day race or whatever it is, like an enduro race. And a lot of those guys would crawl in these cricks that were coming down from like all the mountain water, all that kind of stuff. And they wanted to rejuvenate their legs and hang out and do all that kind of stuff. And it's like, good on you guys. Like I'm not man enough to do it. I can remember doing like ice baths and football, like just putting my ankle in when I broke my ankle in senior year, you know, and it's like, fucking this sucks. And just my ankle, like imagine being your whole body in that. Well, it's, uh, it is I'm a big difference. I'm not man enough for that. <laughs> It is a big difference. Like the lake itself is probably around 50 degrees. And then when we went hiked like around it, there was like trickling streams still coming down from the mountain. We so much colder. Oh my. It's like 30 fucking degrees. Oh. Like it literally oh. feels like liquid ice, like the coldest water you've ever felt. Like, and I know that sounds weird. Like I've had ice water before. No, you haven't. Unless you've literally felt like the abundance of a mountain like that, like sticking your entire yeah. foot the only reason it's not frozen you know, is because like, it's moving <laughs> yeah i'm like there's a difference between sticking your finger in your ice cup of ice water and sticking your entire foot in a fucking river that's like 30 degrees like it's just it's so cold but like oh my god you feel great no more inflammation <laughs> which is always good so anything else fun you did while you're out there we broke down <laughs> that's usually not fun 
It wasn't supposed to be fun, but it ended up being really fun because it was super unplanned. Honestly, but yeah. those are usually the best things that kind of happen because they're just, it is what it is. It, oh, makes, yeah. it makes a great story, right? Well, so we already had like prepared to go to the lake because we were trying to go up to this lake again because it was lake the weekend. Todd. Lake Todd, yeah. Lake Todd. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we're trying to go up there again with the brother-in-law because it was the weekend. So everybody was off work and all that jazz so we could go up there. So we had beers packed, we had snacks packed, you know, we were ready to go. Well, my poor sister's car, she just had her axles fixed and her axle apparently did not want to be fixed. So it decided to dislodge and break on our way there. So we broke an axle and we were stuck on the side of the road for like five hours waiting for a tow truck, which was like, (laughs) oh, yay, that was fun. Um, But it was fun because like we were like, well, fuck it. We've got five hours. Like, let's go find a spot of shade because there's just like random curly pine trees and like you know it's a very dry i'm imagining landscape. like a, a gravel mountain road i'm not a, i'm not imagining like a paved no road it's in town it's a highway okay. it's definitely a but it's a two-lane highway where like you're driving a good 10 15 miles to like get to like a park that's already kind of secluded so like you don't Pull off on the side of the road. There's not lots of traffic. There's no houses on the side. No, sides. you're right next to Mount Bachelor, which is like a ski resort. Like you, like no one does anything up there other than go to these hiking places and these mountain bike. Like there's nothing else to do up there. Like you, unless you're passing through to go to the other side where there's more people. <laughs> like you go up to do these fun things. Like we are past the point where they have like gates that close down mountain roads in the winter. Like where they're just impassable. Like you don't, yeah. you just don't go there in yeah. the winter. So. We're like up in the middle of fucking nowhere and the car breaks down. So we're trapped on the side of the road and it was like steaming and there was like smoke coming out. So we're like, well, we're not going to even attempt to try to move this thing, you know. So we ended up like building like crazy mandalas out of like random pine cones and like sticks we collected. And like, yes, we're all very artistic and crafty people who were <laughs> trapped on the side of the road with nothing to do. So definitely art projects came out of it. But we ended up like the landscape all looks like exactly the same. So when you walk 20 feet into the woods, you're like, oh, well, I'll just know I need to take a left at like that rock. Yeah, except 20 feet past that rock is another rock that looks exactly like that rock you just saw. Well, shit. And like everything looks exactly the same. It's so weird. So like we we literally was like made while I started making it like a path that went like 30 feet into the woods just lined with these (laughs) random sticks and stuff because we were like, we had beer. So I'm like, well, I have beer. So I'm, I have to pee another like you know, so I'm like I need to find a way to go back and like pee so my family doesn't see me peeing, but like also find my way back so I'm not like trapped in the wilderness out in the middle of Oregon. It was smart. It was a really interesting five hours. It was a fun time. Well that's good though, because I think those kind of random hiccups we'll say is like create the most memorable of stories because it's something you guys remember for years and years to come. Which is pretty cool. Which I don't think my sister was super <laughs> I'm sure not. When you're pregnant and miserable and everything sucks, I'm sure that was a lot she of fun. She couldn't drink but... the beer with us and she was just Oh, even worse. Yeah. She was like the one sober but one. But you know what they do have out there, which is super interesting? They have hop water in cans. So it's like hoppy water that so it's is like obviously beer, non-alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like a little bit of like a slight hoppy taste to it, but it's water. So she was like, I'm being hydrated and I have a can in my hand and I kind of feel like I'm hanging out with you guys. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of art projects you brought up there, uh, one of the reasons what we want to talk about today was the uh, the Tiger Legacy Project. You need okay. Hold on. We'll take a pause real quick. I'll be right back. 
And with the magic of podcasting, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Very quick break on uh, your end, but it was a little bit longer on our end, but you'll have that. All right. So speaking of art projects, (laughs) she's trying not to laugh over here. I'm trying to collect myself. (laughs) Sorry. All right. So you did an interesting project in, uh, was it college, right? It was not college. It was after college. It was after college. Okay. So it was called the Tiger Legacy. Now, why don't you talk us a little bit about what what led up to this project, what this project was about. Oh, God. That's like a loaded... I know. (laughs) Um, well, like, what do you mean by led up to this project? Uh, I mean, it's a a very unique kind of thing, right? But I don't think... I thought it was a part of school. So, I thought it was like for like a school assignment. But you're saying it was more of like for after school. So, it was like... Was was it something like you just had in your head? Is it something you wanted to do? Or did maybe somebody like suggest something and just kind of grew into that? Okay. Or so um, this was not my my project. It's a project that I was a part of. Oh, you were just you were involved with. Yes, it. Okay. I was involved with this. So I had a class in college called visual storytelling, um, which was basically, I guess, kind of a form of journalism, but more of a. I don't even know how to describe what it is, but it's basically like journalism is, you know, you can have one picture on the front of a newspaper with one headline and whatever that picture you choose to highlight is the entire vibe of the entire story that anyone's going to get. Right. Because they're trying to grab you with the headline in that first picture. Absolutely. So this class was kind of like explaining how if you want to make a photographic series and try to tell a story in a visual manner, how do you do that? And it's not just how do you do that, it's how to navigate the story along the way because a lot of the time, the story that you think you're going in for ends up being something drastically different different because you're getting to know your subject matter and you're starting to understand like what your perception of it was is not at all the reality or yeah i went in thinking this was the story over here when in reality there's like this hidden tucked away story over on this other side that's so much more amazing that's the story you know so you just start going down that wormhole so you have to like kind of to sound like a hippie kind of like be like water <laughs> no but I, I think that makes you a lot know? of sense instead of like instead of forcing what you thought it was going to be what you wanted it to be mm-hmm. just let it become what it's going to become and let it do its own kind of thing so, so so instead of like trying to manage it you just let it do its thing and you just go with the flow so to speak but it, at the same time it's kind of like you know it's it's in a way i guess it's a form of journalism because you know, the way I was always taught, at least in this medium, to represent photographs is you you do not manipulate them. You you don't I have never been trained with a flash. You know, I, I I shoot with the lighting that's there, with what's happening, what's happening directly in front of me. So what you see is what you get. Yeah, like there's actually a big I, I don't know the, the specifics of it, because um, I went to school for graphic design and not journalism, so I didn't really learn like the specifics of the whole journalism side was this a class that was part of your uh, degree or was this like an elective um i think it counted as points as part of my minor which was photo illustration okay if i remember correctly but they've honestly changed the program so much even in the time that i was going to school there that like i don't remember the details but of course i 
I didn't take any classes that didn't credit towards something. Okay. Because you know, I was obviously So it just wasn't something you saw that was interesting. Awesome. I want to take that. That sounds awesome. It was more of like a, hey, I need to do something in this field. This one looks like the one I'm going to take because there's probably like um, probably a couple a of options. Probably a mixture of both because okay. I think like I probably needed like some kind of credit and some kind of photography exactly. something. They usually have like yeah. some general guidelines like, okay, pick one of these three mm-hmm. and they all count. Yeah, so this was just like, I don't know, I don't even remember what the hell the description of the class was or whatever it was, but I was like, eh, fuck it, that sounds interesting, so whatever. So when we started, like, it was kind of just this, like, like explanation of, like, what it was and things like that, and, like, eventually, like, once we kind of got into the class a little bit, we were sent off to, like, kind of find our own projects and our own things, you know, to go explore and stuff like that, so, like, I don't know. The class just kind of like hit me in a way that like no other classes really like struck. Like it was all like, yeah, I'm learning this. This is fun. This is cool. But like, I I couldn't like I if you ask me now like I can't remember like a distinct thing that my graphic design professor said that really like changed my life. Like you know like there was there's nothing. not many of those moments in your life. So no. th- those are very tough to come by. So to find that in one random class that you just had would be pretty tough. But I think I in general like I think the concept was that like in my mind at the time when I was taking the class I had already devoted my collegiate career to graphic design yes i was in my junior year like there was no switching to do something yeah, else it's like, like this there, is what i'm doing like, let's I'm get this so thing over with and get close. the fuck out of here and i spent so much money i spent seven years in college and i didn't i didn't do it like i didn't retake things or anything i spaced out stuff and the way that my program was built was every semester was built on something that happened the semester prior okay so if you missed one class that you were supposed to take in the fall they didn't offer it in the spring you were now set back one year because you can't bounce anything else off of it after that because those are the building blocks and how they have that program set up so if I didn't have the money to put forth to buy a brand new Mac computer for at the time, I think it was, I think I spent $2,700 on my Mac computer, all my Adobe programs, all the shit that I needed for this class. And I'm like, well, I couldn't afford it that semester. So I was just like that pushed back a year. Well, that sucks. Because I was trying to not have $100,000 of college loan payment like when I got out of school but that's very smart so I was trying to pay for as much as I could out of pocket I never went through school without a job like and I was trying to balance like I need to pick up a couple shifts at work and this is the class schedule that I need to accommodate that and you know like balance all the shit all through yeah. college and, and I not feel just like, come out with like all these loans that these kids have because they just get loans for everything loans for food loans for absolutely. housing loans for books like absolutely and they come and, out and they're so screwed because they've got so much debt and it was so funny because I'm like I grew up I lived 15 minutes from the Kent State campus which was a blessing for me and as much as I hated it in college because I felt like oh I have to stay at home with mommy and daddy or my kids my friends are out getting drunk you know but i'm like that was probably the best fucking scenario probably a very good thing but i'm like i had to you know i'm like a commuter pass in comparison to how much it costs to stay on campus is insane and like i even found myself like i had friends of mine who were like hey i've got you know a hundred dollars left on my meal plan and once the semester's over like it, I just I lose $100. So we would literally go to like the little cafe markets and stuff on campus and buy like a whole case of Gatorade and stuff. And they'd just be like, here, want some Gatorade? And they'd start handing stuff out to friends just to use up that money. And I'm like, that just seems like the most insane waste of like... It is. 
So I, I spent a lot of time like paying for everything out of pocket, like trying to save up and make sure that like all those extras outside of actual just tuition and class prices and books, like all like the extra art supplies, all the everything was just like what I was able to pay out of pocket from my jobs that I was working while I was at school. So it took me a little bit longer than everybody else. Okay. But whatever. So that's why like when I say junior year, I'm like, it's not like, oh, I spent three years and I was a junior. No, this is like five years in. I was like, <laughs> I'm not fucking doing shit to change. Like, I'm, I want to yeah. be done with this. And Focus I on the like, end goal here. Let's yeah, get this done. Yeah, like, I got to start earning a pay something. <laughs> These student loans are coming back real quick to bite me in the ass, you know. But um, yeah, I don't know how I got involved with the class, but I got I got in there somehow. And uh, so my professor, his name is Gary Harwood. Love him to death. This guy's awesome. He's probably like the person. Everybody has. Well, not everybody. A lot of people. Those who had a good experience in college, I guess, can maybe think of at least one professor who made some sort of impact on them, um, whether they still talk to them or not. I don't know. Bonus points if you do have an opportunity to talk to that person. Um, We still talk. We'll go out to breakfast. You know, he's a fan of those little cafes that look like they're from the fifties. So he like hunts for them all over Ohio (laughs) and, you know, we'll pick up a random date to go get coffee or that's cool, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, like we've kept a relationship and I think that like he taught that class and he recognized just the drive that I had and the passion that I had for what he was teaching. And that ended up developing into him offering me, an opportunity to be part of the project that actually had nothing to do with Kent State. The only reason that the people who were involved in this project were involved is because we just happened to all take certain classes that Gary had taught at some point. And he saw things in us that he knew, like, I know that I don't have to babysit you if I pull it, pull you on this project. Like, I know that if I say, hey, I need you to do this, this is our goal. I know that you yourself are going to take it upon yourself to go out into the neighborhood and like, hunt down these stories and i don't have to sit here and be like this is what you do like no like you know so it's your project take ownership let's do this thing so here's the vision (laughs) but it might morph and let's let it do that on its own so there's like so here's a here's a good example just for everybody in out there who doesn't know what the hell i'm talking about here (laughs) so visual storytelling like let's say you have 10 photographs to tell one story whatever story it might be it could be as short or as long as you want it to be it doesn't matter you have 10 photographs to tell that story so every every single photograph like you know the saying a photograph speaks a thousand words yes so Every single photograph needs to play a part, even in the order of when they come up in the story, helps tell what the heck kind of story you're saying. So I, I distinctly remember this this class where Gary had pulled up a photo up on the screen, told us no backstory whatsoever, and just said, what do you think about the photo? And it was a photo kind of like a, if you were to hold your camera up, like above your head, kind of aiming towards the ground to get that like above kind of like yeah, hovering view. over. Kind yeah, of like look. a hovering over kind of view. And it was um, a German shepherd laying on his side, um, eyes open. So he obviously wasn't sleeping, but just kind of like chilling, you know, with his legs out like he was just relaxing. Um, he had a tennis ball, probably like five so inches, like right in front of his nose, almost like he was like patiently waiting. Um, and then the other side of the picture 
was just like basically from like the waist, like the top of the thighs, and then you could see legs like hanging off the side of a bed. So it was almost like reminiscent of like when you first wake up in the morning and you fling your legs over the, the bed. The dog's ready to play. Hey, you're yeah. awake. Let's do this thing. And so he's like, so like, you know, what do you feel about the picture? And everybody in the class was being very like, oh, the lighting is this and bleh, you know, like just like kind of. Look at the technical aspects of it. Half of it was like picking it apart. And half of it was like, hey, you know, it's just kind of boring. Like, there's really nothing going on. And, like, the dog's not, like, jumping or, you know, doing anything. Yeah, there's no or, action. It's yeah. very, very calm. And so he's like, okay, now let me tell you what is happening in this in this picture. And then I want you to tell me how you feel about it. So the backstory of this, this is why it's like it sticks out so, like, wow like in my head from this class so the backstory is if you start paying attention to the photo as if it was in the middle of a story the backstory is this lady was going through chemo so when you look at her feet hanging off the bed they're swollen as fuck like they are so swelled like it's it's you probably didn't notice that the first time exactly it's almost like how how did i not it's almost like a second picture but that's what's so crazy and like you realize that it's not boring it's that her dog recognizes that she doesn't have enough energy to play with him so he is patiently alert and staying by her side with the ball just kind of patiently like waiting for her because he he can sense yeah that she's not doing I mean, they, well. They, they always say that like off. dogs especially can like feel the emotions. Yeah, and like when like when somebody's upset, like they'll come over and and try to cuddle you and try to calm you down. And it's like it's it's an amazing thing when you think of like the assholes that think that like that animals or people or whatever don't have souls. It's like just go see that. Like that's proof right there. Come on, dude. Every animal has a soul. You're, of course. Every fucking live. Okay, we're not. That's gonna. Let's be not a, go there. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> an offering. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's an offering. <laughs> Let's get back on the highway here. No, but like once he said that, like it just like the yeah the entire <laughs> the entire photo changed, the entire experience changed, and he's like, that's what is the hardest part about doing this this anything with stories is like you have to critique the shit out of yourself, and there could be a photo that you are just like, oh, I love everything about this. The lighting's perfect, and the ambiance is perfect, and everything's perfect. But guess what? It has nothing to do with the story that I'm trying to tell. So guess what? It's useless. Cut it the fuck out. Yeah. It's like ripping your own heart out and being like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> it's heart-wrenching experience to, like, critique yourself. But, like, that was what I, like, it was just, like, those moments where I'm like, holy fuck. Like, the, literally, like, without Photoshop, without any of that stuff, like, you just being a patient person behind a camera and paying attention to the world as it is happening around you and and just noticing those subtle nuances enough to snap them those are the stories like those are what journalists like live for are those moments like that's why national geographic is so like popular is is like it's not just a picture of a dude off in like a village or like whatever like it's him like at the perfect moment when he's you know, spinning some crazy thing or yeah. caught in the middle of like this gorgeous like array of smoke or whatever because it's like some festival. You know, like you look at these magazines. I'm like, anybody else on the cell phone could have photographed that. Like, why did that photographer make that moment so fucking beautiful? Because he's paying attention. 
or okay. she or she is paying they attention. Yeah. And that's like the whole like concept of what he was trying to like tell us is like he's he sat there for like a half hour just like I set up the scene and I, I'm paying it like something as simple as like, OK, so there's this building that we know plays a big part in the story. We want to photograph it. So let's watch this building for a little bit. What do we notice about this building? OK, maybe the story is that there's a lot of an older community who goes to this building a lot. So, OK, we see a lot of the older community coming in and out of the building. Cool. How do we capture that? You know, so then you sit outside and you start examining the building. You notice at five o'clock, there's this really dramatic shadow that gets cast where if somebody walks out the door, the building is not highlighted, but they're highlighted and they pop. And then you're like, fuck, that's the picture. And you just start like immersing yourself in what you're looking at. And you start noticing all these little nuances that like the regular Joe just will drive past or but walk is, past. Is that more or... just about like taking the time to, to look and see what jumps out or is it like knowing what you're looking for and trying to see how it's going to best tell that story at the risk of sounding super like cocky which i'm not a cocky person <laughs> at all but i've worked with people who have tried to do this and they just don't get it i think you either get it or you just don't okay so some people just have yeah, that in them and they can naturally do that or there's it's some just not people there. who can like literally like you can show them a fucking doorknob and they can pull their camera out and make it look like it should be on the f- cover of Esquire magazine. You're like, okay. how the fuck did you do that? So, so maybe like, that's just like skill that you can't but it's teach. Also, it also depends on the type of photography because I don't know shit about lighting, like artificial lighting. Like if I had to set up a formal photo shoot with somebody and have like the umbrella lights and all that stuff to like light them evenly i would have literally no fucking idea what i was doing honestly like i've read a little bit about that looking at possibly doing some video stuff for the podcast and it's so complex like it's insane you need like three different light sources and one's like your main light source you got like secondary light source and they have to be soft and this and that to be certain angles and it's like holy shit you don't you don't think of all that stuff going you just think oh you just go in some of those lights you just like no it's it's very complex which is which is beautiful if that's what you're going for yes and if that's the vibe that you want but for me i'm like i feel like with the combination of adhd and just running 100 miles an hour all the time and then suffering from like anxiety and depression that they're like all those things are always constantly running at one time I it's really hard for me to remember like moments and things in my life because I'm I'm not often present. Okay. I'm always like if I like this is something that's super interesting that my counselor has actually like introduced me to thinking which I never really thought about before is like you're not present because when you are suffering from anxiety you are constantly worrying about things happening in the future or yes. things that have happened in the in past. The past. So your body is here, but your mind is not. You yeah. are you it's are worrying out. about what could be or yeah, what has exactly. been. Exactly. You're out somewhere else floating around, worrying about things that are not currently happening in the time that your body is at. So as a mindfulness exercise, you pull yourself back in and you go through your five senses and you just say out loud, like, what do I see? And you just say, like, all right, you know, I see Let's say you're in the woods or whatever, and this is the thing like you're saying, I see the trees, I see the sun cascading through the leaves, I see a bird flying, I see a river, you know, whatever it might be, and then you go to the next sense. So what do I hear? I hear the wind coming through the leaves, I hear the birds chirping, I hear, and it, but physically saying it, like your brain can only really do two things like at once, like multitasking is kind of like a 
little bit of a joke. <laughs> no, yeah, you can't. You can only but, focus on one thing. But that's the thing. So if you're thinking it and you're saying it, your brain has no capacity to think of other things at that moment. Okay. So it, it, it forcibly pulls you into the now. So it's actually a really good experiment, even if you're not freaking out or if you're not having like a panic attack or like an anxiety attack, just to staple memories. Like yeah. I, I actually practiced this when I was in Oregon and I was like, I want to remember this feeling of being by this river because um, waterfalls and things, they actually... I was, I'm was. i very curious person, so I'm like, why do I always want to go to a river? Why do I always want to go to a waterfall? And it's because they produce negative ions. So when they produce negative ions, like you actually are calm because it's balancing your own energy out when you're by them. And yeah. I'm like, I didn't like really realize that. But I'm like, no wonder, like the more stressed I am, the more I'm like, I need to go for a hike. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I like, need to get to like well, but, a waterfall. But, but, but think how calming that sound is, like just that sound of like running water. For sure. You know, so it's, it's so amazing. It's like, well, whether you believe in like the science behind it or not, like that's up to you. But it's like, just go experience it. Like anyone will tell you, like it's so calming. But that's like, that's half of the reason why I'm like, you know, if I'm sitting there at the river, and I'm thinking about, fuck, when I go home, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got this other thing. And I, I don't even know I'm at the river anymore because yeah. I'm not I'm not even aware yeah, that you're, I'm you're there. you're thinking about other things. So if I forcibly sit there and I'm like, you know what? You came to the river to be in the river. Fucking be <laughs> at the river, you know? And have that mindfulness experience where like look around. Like what do I see, you know? And like right now, like I can, I can reach back into Oregon and I can tell you exactly what I saw. Like, I can tell you the arrangement of the rocks. I can tell you the way that the water was falling off of them. I can tell you the kind of trees that were there. I can tell you how bright the sun was. Because I took a second and I said, what do I see? Yeah. And I mentally and verbally recorded it to myself. And then I moved on to scent. And I moved on to smell, you know, smell and hearing and feel like, what do I feel? I feel this really sharp fucking lava rock that I'm trying to balance my ass on because <laughs> I'm sitting in a bathing suit on the side of a river filled with fucking lava rocks. Like, you know, like, but that's the other sensation is like, once you go into the river a little bit, like, okay, well, the river has been flowing over this other rock for probably like 300 fucking years yeah, or so more. Nice so that rock feels great on my ass, you know? And I'm like, I would never ever have remembered the texture of a rock on my ass if I didn't forcibly make myself be in that moment. And that's what I love about photography is like there is almost nothing that can pull me back and force me to be like in in the present moment. Yeah. By like recognizing like what is happening around me, I guess you could say. That makes sense. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> I don't know. But that's like what it was like Tiger Legacy. Like it's a it was a started off as what? Like a booster project, I think, where we took it wasn't me, it was two other kids that were in Kent State's program that were working with Gary and they did a portrait shoot of the different boosters that help support um, masculine football because that's what the – I don't know if we stated that yet or not. But, yes, the formal title of the project is Tiger Legacy Stories of Masculine Football. Um, yeah, which uh, people who don't understand, uh, football is like a way of life in Masculine, Ohio. Like, it is very it, much Friday Night Lights yeah, it's, in a very realistic Nothing else way. matters. Like yes. all the small businesses are shut down. Everyone's at the game. If you're a star on that team, you're treated like royalty around town. Like it's a big deal. 
Yes. So back to this project, and then we can talk about why I love photography outside of this. But wait, <laughs> I, I'm I'm so sorry for those listening. I am probably sorry the for what? worst person to try to follow. That because was amazing. I am like off ramping like a motherfucker. No, I was, cannot stay on this highway. That was good stuff. <laughs> but no. So Tiger Legacy was just like this project where, first of all, Gary had done a project. I want to say maybe ten years before this, called Growing Season which is where he actually um, followed, I want to say it was three years, but I could be incorrect on the amount of time he followed the people that he followed. Um, but he, he highlighted migrant workers who were actually farming in Hiram, in the Hiram community. Um, and the fact that, you know, like they came up, they lived in like these little communities on the farm. They celebrated different birthdays and holidays and graduations. And, like he got so close to these people. He actually just went to one's wedding like, she was probably like nine when really? he was like photographing her and he just got like invited like to her wedding like years later and stuff. And like it was just this amazing like very documentary-esque project to like bringing like the stereotypical people like to a humanizing level. Yes. Like like yeah, they come up here to work, but like everyone just is like, oh, they come up here. We're like, no, like they have families here still and people. entire communities here yeah. and their entire like they all it's almost like they bring up a part of like their entire community to like land smack dab in the middle of a farm in the middle of Hiram. Like it's so crazy. But I'm like, you probably drive past this place like seven hundred times. You have no idea the amount of culture that's like 50 steps away from you exactly and it's but, just so different than how we grow up but that's part of like the honor of photographing these projects is that you don't get this close to people without them trusting you. allowing you to come in right access is the number one and like the term access makes it sound like you're like paying something <laughs> but i'm like no it's just like a lot like the best stories i still remember this oh my god i'm getting off traffic okay time out we have to talk about this and then we're going to talk about everything else because if i don't talk no, no, about no, this no, damn no 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 let the, the these are these are the best parts of the conversation <laughs> i'm serious like you're saying you're over laughing about it but this no, is like, like add on no, overdrive no, no these are the best oh parts of the conversation i promise you're killing me you're, <laughs> you're killing welcome me right now okay so i can't remember the damn name of the damn project but i i want to say it was like the name of an apartment or like apartment seven or something just very simple like that okay. but anyway long story short so a photographer had access to a apartment in new york city that a couple who I believe they were heroin addicts, maybe. I can't remember the exact drug, but it was something very hardcore up in like the heroin realm, I yeah. guess. Um, but he allowed them access to like their apartment and the people who came there, the people who lived there and like that whole kind of community. And I just remember like some of the photos were like them, like they were engaging in like sex, like late at night with like the TV on and stuff. And I'm just like, it made me pause for a second and think, like, think about your just life, like, as general. Like, the most private moment you can think of where, like, you don't want anybody in that fucking room. Whether it's, like, going to the bathroom or, like, whatever. And, like, you have gotten so comfortable. Mind you, I get it. They're on drugs. Not the point. Same. <laughs> but it's the same with anything, though. Exactly. You've gotten so comfortable with the idea that this person's here. Number one photographing you and number two you've gotten to the point where you trust them enough where you're gonna you know that whatever they photograph is going to be represented in a appropriate way because like 
I don't know. We live in this age of like Instagram pics and stuff like that. And it's just, it's exhausting to me. And like we, like my boyfriend and I, Nick, like we go river walking all the time and like go hiking and stuff. And like we, we have this joke where like we say do it for the gram. Yeah. When we spot the couples who like are full makeup, like the little like brand new backpack that looks like they literally stopped off at the mall on their way to the hiking trail, like spotless little tennis shoes the yoga pants like and the boyfriend looks like he's trailing behind because he's just the photographer for the day and i'm like guarantee you if i look up the hashtag for this park in about an hour there's gonna be a heavily edited photo of this girl like i'm in the hiking today i'm like no you didn't you climbed down to the edge of the river you took a fucking picture and you went back to your car probably took like 400 pictures to get like one okay one but that's my point is like you look at these pictures of anybody and they're the same fucking pose over and over and over and over and over and over again. There's no originality to it at all. And that's the thing that I absolutely love about being the photographer is like, I can notice when you're being real. And I, if you trust me enough to where I just drowned out into the background and you forget that I'm there, those are the key moments. I'm just snap, 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 fuck yes. That's look at any the best uh, way you can look at it is like wedding albums because that's when the majority of people get photos taken. Yeah, that's and honest. like you know these people, you do, you obviously know these people getting married. Like you're friends with them, you're going to their wedding, like you know them, so you know how they smile and how they pose and how they act on their own social media. You see how they represent themselves, but when you see how somebody else behind the lens of a camera sees them. And is starting to pay attention to them throughout the night and can recognize their laugh or their giggle or whatever the fuck it is that they're recognizing about them and starts lining that shit up. Now you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's my friend. And you start seeing those things. Yeah. Guess what? A fucking stranger just noticed those things about your friend that you've known for 15 years, but your friend never captures because your friend takes the same fucking picture (laughs) and puts it on Instagram like 17,000 times. Like no one wants to see the back of your head looking out at a fucking landscape anymore. Get out of the way. Let me see the landscape. Uh, You are not important, people. Is that mean? No, no. It's great. I love it. But But speaking of the wedding stuff, like that brings up an interesting point. Because uh, recently my parents celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary and they were on vacation. So like I I ran over to the house and I tried to find the old wedding album so I could scan it in. We can get a picture done where we could like uh, what what do they call that? It was like it's like a big matting where people could sign and write stuff on it and like pictures in the middle. It's in a frame. I forget exactly what they call it. You just got framing done. Yeah, exactly. With custom matting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever all that shit is. Sure. All fancy stuff. So so I went in and I found the the wedding album and I took it back and I scanned everything so they'd have it all digitally and all that kind of good stuff. So that way if it gets burnt, they still have pictures. And then uh, they, they got home and we had the surprise later and mom found out it was happening because somebody posted on Facebook that like, hey, we can't make it to your surprise party. Sorry. <laughs> like, thanks people. You missed the idea on the, on the fucking invitation. It says surprise party. That means don't fucking say anything. Holy shit balls. Um, nonetheless. But uh, but it was funny because she, like once she didn't, I mean, she didn't tell us that she knew, but we knew that she knew. She didn't tell dad, which is funny. So it was at least a surprise for him. But um, afterwards, she said, like, these aren't our wedding pictures because I had a bunch of them printed off and we put them around the tables and all that, like yeah. little uh, like um, plastic holders and all that kind of stuff. And 
it was funny because like what what I had found wasn't their official wedding pictures. Their official wedding pictures were like locked away in the safe. But what I found was like other people's pictures throughout the day that they had saved and put into a book. And I found that some of my favorite pictures were just random pictures of like my dad in his white tuxedo with his big, you know, 70s mustache, you know, you know, like sitting off on, on a bench with his arms up on it, just relaxing. Like, hey, what's up, y'all? You know, just being super calm and casual. And it's like, those were some of my favorite pictures compared to like the everyone stand here and look perfect. Look over here and don't don't smile. And like they're all up on the stairs and all that. We've all seen the same pictures, right? It's like it was so funny because like literally just the behind the scenes pictures were the best. Well, that's like the whole point of like, why are you hiring a photographer? Like seriously, like if, okay, let's say, for example, you're getting married and you are looking for for a photographer to highlight your day. Why? Why? What's the point? What are you going to do with them? Are I mean, you going to put guess, them on Facebook? I guess you want to capture those moments for later so you can have a remembrance of the day. Exactly. So your goal is to snapshot memories for yourself, correct? So that when you look at yeah, this picture later, you get sucked back into that moment. Because that's why I look at pictures. The second I look at a picture, I get sucked directly back into that moment. And if there's no emotion in that picture, I don't get sucked <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> I am a broken vacuum at that point. I'm I'm done. <laughs> but like there's weird pictures that I can remember from taking like from back in high school and stuff. But, like I had like a point and shoot like there was no digital shit back. Like I had like a I still took my film to Walmart and like hoped to get it back in 48 hours for like 10 bucks or whatever. You know, like that was I didn't know what I was shooting at. I could barely even see through the fucking viewfinder. Like, you know, yeah. and I'm like, there's like, for example, there's a picture I have of one of my friends and like, you can't see half of the memory in the photo. Like the photo is me. It's nighttime. So the dark, the background's dark. There's like this, like, it looks like a sun glare kind of coming up from the bottom. But okay. in reality, it's my hair like moving because we were in a car that didn't have any doors. So like my hair was going all over the place, but it was moving so fast when I took the picture that it just kind of looks like a blur really? like in the bottom of the picture. That's interesting. But it's the picture itself. What's captured in the frame of reference is my friend's face. His name's Joey. And he was a big, jolly guy. I went to I went to prom with him. I fucking love this kid so much. He's a big, jolly guy. He probably weighed like 300 pounds in high school. And he was just like laughing his ass off with his head like thrown back in the air. And it's like kind of like a little bit blurry, just like enough where it looks like I took the picture and like moved like just a tiny bit, you know? And I'm like, you can't tell what the fuck is going on at all in the picture, like at all. But when I look at it, I'm like, I remember we were riding in my friend's Bronco ass janky truck and he had <laughs> literally cut the back off of it and like bolted like a couch or something stupid as a as a second row of seats behind <laughs> said couch was like a flatbed open like pickup truck. Like this thing should not have been road legal at all. Probably was probably would have died. <laughs> And so I'm in the front seat taking a picture of my friend who's in the back seat, literally with his head like over like the roof. Like he's probably looking like if he's sitting normally, the roof is probably at his nose. Like he's probably look, like, looking over the roof of like the entire truck. But I'm like, I remember the exact road we were on. I know exactly where we were going. 
I know exactly where you're coming from. I know exactly who is in that car, even though I can't see them because I captured that moment. And the reason I remember that moment is because I captured Joe's true fucking emotion of him just laughing his ass off and having a great fucking time. And that's what pulls you back into that moment. Yeah. When you like, there's so many people who have like these pictures of like, oh, this is my favorite picture of my grandma or this is my favorite, like whatever. I'm like, you probably have three photos, maybe of like most people like of their grandparents of even their own parents like when they were younger like and everyone thinks that they have like a 10,000 photos I'm like yeah you do until your phone breaks or until the cloud decides it's just gonna like shut down because it's all run by government stuff so you don't actually own anything you have in the cloud you think you do because it's secure and you can get to it right now but if they decide to flick that light switch off guess what Every fucking photo you've ever taken is gone and you have nothing. You've got nothing because nobody prints anything anymore. And it's like you hold on to those like five pictures that like mean the world to you of like your grandparent or whatever it is or those like how like nobody has pictures that go back a couple like decades. Like usually people don't keep those or they get lost or something happens to them. Yeah. You don't have a history anymore. Or, you know, how many people have pictures of their grandparents and are like, this is this is the picture. I'm going to get it literally tattooed on my body. And I'm like, because that one picture that seemingly probably didn't mean anything to them means absolutely the world to you because it's a totally different time and every detail speaks to them. But let's, like, let's, let's be honest, too, with that aspect of it. It's like. The older generations had pictures because that's all they had, whereas now everything is digital. You can still so, print pictures. No, no, I, I understand. It's easier than ever, no, actually, to I, print I, pictures. I understand that, but it's like, but I'll bet you it's like a lot of these pictures have just gone away because people go in to clean out maybe grandma and grandpa's house because they died and they just start like pitching stuff and they may not go through everything specifically oh, to find everything. So they lose all this history and then maybe something does happen digitally where they lose track of the cloud or whatever. They don't have like a backup somewhere and it's like... Well, shit. But that's why, like, Polaroid is such, like, a sought-after, like, people, like, that is, like, a cult following. Like, Polaroid people are, like, on another level. Like, they're, <laughs> they're fucking crazy. But it's because you can't manipulate it. It is what it is. It's oh, that's in, a good point. I never in, thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah, like, there's no manipulating The picture was it. done no, once. It's printed now. There it no is. There's no Photoshop. There's no Lightroom. There's no manipulation. I never thought of it that there's way. There's no filters. There's no shit. Like, it doesn't matter... Even when you take your film from a roll and you take it into like Walmart or whatever, if they see like a dark picture, they'll still like try to manipulate the level so the picture comes out. There's still some sort of manipulation. Polaroid, they're, like it is what it is. Like you've taken what you've taken and that's what you get. And that's why when Polaroid stopped making film, like the whole Polaroid community like melted down. They're like, what? <laughs> no. But that's when like, like my mom, like she, we went garage sailing last year and I found a Polaroid for like $10. And my mom's like, why would you want that? You don't even have a fucking work. So I was like, I don't care if it fucking works. I'll figure it out later. And I like, bought it. I was like, I don't know if it fucking works, but like I have to get film to see if it works because that's how Polaroid works. Like their, their motor and their everything is in their film pack. Yeah. So if you don't have the film, the cam you don't know if the camera works. And I'm like, they make this film now called Impossible Film, but it's twenty fucking dollars for eight pictures. And I'm like, <laughs> I just don't have the heart to be that curious right now to be like, yeah, I'll spend twenty dollars like plus shipping, like, because I know I take pictures. But that's like the other thing is like people take pictures with digital photography because you can take forty five and sixty seconds and delete whatever you don't want. And I'm like, that's not. 
when you think about how much film costs, like you just paid how much money for 25, like or 24 frames. That's all you get. You get 24 chances <laughs> at this and that's it. Like, so you had to be methodical about it. It wasn't as fleeting as everything is now. Like you can like literally on my iPhone right now, I can pick it up and hold down the button and rapid fire a a group of pictures that sounds like a fucking machine gun and I can pick which one I want. Yeah, which like, one actually turned out okay. And that's the thing is like, no, like when you're shooting, like when we sh- were shooting like Tiger Legacy, like I had to think about like the capabilities of my camera, the fact that the darker that I got at night, probably the shittier chance I had at getting pictures because my equipment was a little bit lesser than other people's equipment on my team. And so if you have a better camera that has a better sensor, that's better at capturing movement in low light, you're going to get a a crisper, clearer image. But obviously a football game, there's a lot of movement going on. There's a lot of things going on. So you have to like, you have to think of all these things happening in sequence. So like I was aware that my time to shine was going to be like, when everybody was getting ready because it was still a pretty decent amount of daylight. And I know that like if there was any fast movements happening, I was going to have a shutter speed that was fast enough to like stop it and not have like a blurry arm or a, you know, blurry, whatever the hell going on in the background. But I also knew that like when it got dark, I wasn't pointless anymore. I just didn't want to focus myself on like really high energy shots. So I would start hunting like what else can I do? Like what can my camera pick up? And like that's the thing where like if you spend – let's let's think about like a job. That's probably a pretty relatable scenario. You know, like so you go into your job and it's the first day of your job and everything's so new. You're like, oh my God, how, like where's even the bathroom and how do I get there and where's my boss's office and where do I get my coffee and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And Where are the you, supplies? Exactly. Like- and then you think like six months later and you're just like, fuck, I need a folder. And you just get up and you just autopilot to the folder closet and get the folder out. And you come As back, you're thinking done. about 30 other things. That yeah. You're trying to get and done. you're so used to being there. But that's the equivalent of why access is so important with photography is like, like, OK, so this is my first time over here and being at your place and seeing like your setup in your studio. And like there's probably 65 fucking interesting things that I walked past on my way down here that I wouldn't even have like paid attention to at all. But the next time I would be like, Oh, what's that trophy thing you have hanging up there? And then, okay, well now I've just learned an additional thing about you that I didn't know before because I wasn't paying attention. Like my mind wasn't there. So it's kind of like the same thing. Like the more time we spent like at the stadium, like how many games are in a season, you know, like it gets almost boring photographing the players and it's actually an interesting thing is we have what how many pages is this this is like a 256 page book i think 192 that's what something 193 something like that there is one photo in the entire thing that's any sort of gameplay and it's taken in a way where the player is literally falling into the end zone and the focus is on the entire stands okay that's it Everything else in an entire 100 and some, almost 200-page book about football, there's no gameplay action in that book. Nothing. Because after you're there for a little bit, that is the most boring fucking part of it, which sounds so stupid until you realize, like, that's this is, like, that, like, that game has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do about all the moms making all the posters and planning all the parades and all the people getting jacked up 
out in the tailgate lot and painting their faces and getting super super excited and planning these fucking parades and having man caves in their basement with merch all over the walls and like that's what this book is filled up with because the game doesn't fucking matter it's it's the community around it and it's just like this insane they're insane they're absolutely insane and it makes total sense because they started with paul brown who transferred into starting uh, the Browns and Browns fans are fucking crazy. Like <laughs> we haven't won in decades and we're just like, yeah, like that's exactly how they are. Like, I don't know what Paul Brown does to communities, but he just like, you will love football forever. Like, he, like, curses, he like curses the area. Like you're just going to love it forever and you're going to do whatever you need to do to just keep <laughs> loving it. But that's what he did. But yeah, it was, that was a crazy, I mean, now, speaking of memories, the cover of the book <laughs> is uh, three football players emerging from the smoke because they blow off these, like, I don't know, they're like fire extinguisher things. They're not actual fire extinguishers, but yeah. they look like them that blow steam off and then they run out of this tunnel. Well, right before this picture, right after, I should say, this picture was taken, which is a super cool picture, is, uh, yeah, I got hit in the face by one of those football players, and I thought I broke my camera, and I, I thought I got a black eye. I, like, literally was about to just fall down and cry because it's just, like, so you have the tunnel, and then everyone's very excited, and they're lining the tunnel. But as the excitement builds, like, so guy one leans out, so guy two wants to lean out a little bit over his shoulder. And then, of course, guy three wants to lean out a little bit over guy two's shoulder. So then everyone starts, like, going in and in and in and in and in to just get that better view, right? So I'm pretty far back with the camera. And I am i don't even realize. I'm pretty much standing now in the middle of the tunnel of yeah. where they're going to be running. And running there's smoke of- everywhere. And I can't see shit. There's smoke everywhere. There's people screaming. Like, it's, it's insane. Their football stadium seats, like, almost 10,000 people or something. It's a fucking high school. Sorry. Just drives me insane. Like we, <laughs> we had a gravel track that was five lanes on one side and turned into three on the other. So I'm just like real salty about the fact that we a $10,000 stadium. Anyway. Hey, boosters pay for a lot, damn God. They were sponsored by Nike. They literally had custom outfit or outfits, uniforms from head to toe for one game. Yeah. That's disgusting. Uh Uh-huh. That's disgusting. But anyway, beside the point. (laughs) No, so they come running out of this tunnel, and I see them in my lens, of course, but, like, I lens and reality is a little bit different depending on what focal length you're working with. So I'm just like, snap, 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 snap. And next thing I know, his helmet hit the end of my lens and sent my entire camera into my face. And I was like, oh, my God. And it hurt so bad. And I was like, God, I hope it fucking turned into something. Because I, I got a black eye for nothing. I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, months later, my professor came up and he was really pissed because he was like, <sighs> so it's between two photos for the cover. And one of them is mine. And one of them is yours. <laughs> and I was like, that sucks. Which one did you pick? Like, but, yeah, so it was very cool. But. So I ended up getting the cover of the book, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it was it, that was a really that was a really crazy experience. That was definitely an experience of like it started as one thing and it manipulated into something else, and then that something else manipulated like another idea. So it was just a booster project, and then that booster project turned into a quieter kind of museum opening. And then the curator of the Maslin Museum really wanted to get Gary involved in like a 
citywide kind of football spirit-esque kind of project um there's actually a documentary called go tigers which is like a, a visual documentary um which is kind of similar to what we did but they were only there for one season we were there for five years so I literally have friendships with people. I still write them Christmas cards. <laughs> like I'm saying like we were like part of the fucking family with like a lot of people after f- like five years is like a lot of time to like constantly be like we were in people's basements. We were yeah. in their man caves. We helped them get ready for prom. We were at their prom. We were at their homecomings. We were in their high school. We were in the barber shop, like we were literally like wherever the, part of the community. Oh, wherever they were going, we were like a fly on the wall. Like you better get fucking used to us real quick because we're not going anywhere for a couple of years, you know. But like those are like the most magic moments out of all of it. And like I'm just thinking back, like I put myself in a couple of really dangerous situations. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the photos on there, like I climbed on top of the stadium, which like is not at all safe especially after taking osha classes and like <laughs> like lord osha would have find the shit out of everything but it's like a little like draw string rope thing like between you and like six stories of death basically and i'm like let's go up there that's where the shot is so there's like a three foot like sliver of like um brick that kind of stands up every once in a while like yeah. Think of like the top of a castle, like the little cutouts, you know? Uh-huh. So I I braced myself on one of those and kneeled behind it and leaned over the entire stadium to get a downward shot because the entire team, part of their rituals, they come out of um, either the locker room or the the place is so big. They've got so many things. They literally have like a, a Olympic-sized like indoor training facility like the Cleveland Browns. It's disgusting. But they come out and they walk to there's a paul brown statue that sits directly in front of their stadium and they circle it and they kind of like lower their head for like a moment of silence or prayer or whatever and then if it's a home game after that moment they head to the home locker room or if it's an away game they go up to the buses which is straight above them so i have this really crazy shot of like the paul brown statue the entire team swirled around it and then like the bus is kind of waiting at the top and all the families and stuff would just kind of like line the walkway so it's like you don't you don't step where the players step like it's like they're like regal like (laughs) escort to the buses kind of you know and and it's just like this really crazy moment of thinking back i'm like you're an idiot why did you go up there like where was your drone what the hell god like you should not like you should have had somebody at least aware that you were fucking up there like (laughs) oh my god you could have died like but i'm like i want i don't think about that and that's like what's the part like i'm like it could potentially be like the end of me (laughs) but when i think about a picture and i see a picture like i need to get that picture so like where do i need to go to get that angle and i'm like if i need to go into this like super sketchy place and i'm just like well that's that's what i need to do because i need to get this picture like i'm not thinking like i can fucking die like don't go up there i'm like but that's a great shot (laughs) like what's wrong with me like Need, need some more beer? Yeah, is that what you're saying? A, I feel a tickle coming on. I don't want to start coughing in your... So mute you, you me. Want, mute me. I'm about to cough. <laughs> you want water instead? You want beer? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a beer. All right. Beer coming up. Same thing? Sure. Shit, it's all the way back here. Oh, my God. I'm making you crawl an extra six inches. Oh, it's so horrible. I just had to get off my seat. That's all. Oh, yeah. I was drinking Conway's. Yeah, you were. That's what I was drinking? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, this will be the last Conway's. Probably. I love Conway's. 
going to get me to say some crazy things. <laughs> crazy things are fun. For the two people who are still listening. <laughs> lost interest in what I'm saying there's a at least, long time ago. There's at least five. Oh, high five of you. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. They've been here the whole For time. For the two of you who aren't sleeping out of the five. Just kidding. Skipped on to other podcasts. But no, what's super interesting is like, so recently I've been revisiting my portfolio and regathering my photos and understanding like how to like represent them in a way that somebody else can truly see like uh, pull the mic up a little bit closer here is this better that's much better no like how to represent like my photos in a way that like show what i'm truly interested in as a photographer and when i called my professor to ask him like how do i represent this project because like i took a couple pictures that make up the whole of the project but like how do I describe like what I did versus what the project is? And, you know, like all those kind of just nuances because I didn't know how to like I didn't want to like misrepresent it in a way that made it look like I was the one who did the project because I, I this is like no one would fucking believe that like this is just too big of a project. Like not that I'm trying to rip people off, but like I'm just trying to be respectful and also make sure it's if very it took, realistic. What, three of you five years. I mean, holy hell. There was hell. like seven people. Oh, seven. There is well at the beginning I think there was seven. I think on the book we have one, two, three, four. We have six people that are actually on the book and then that does not count the can the head photographers, which is Gary and David, who was the professor and the student professor who okay. merged. So I'm like, there's a shit ton of people. Like we all had like our own like projects, like our own avenues. We were hunting people down and like doing all this stuff and like Oh, there's a fun story for you. Sorry, I'm getting very excited revisiting all of this lovely stuff. So there is this gentleman, and I'm going to forget his name, and I'm a horrible person for doing it. Oh, so I'm such a horrible try. person. I know, I, I'm, I'm terrible at names, but like I can I can literally picture your face and think of your face exactly, but I can't remember names to save my life. Um, God, where is he? It's going to drive me crazy. Um, yeah, for those of you listening, she's flipping through the book I'm looking sorry, for the guy. I'm doing very unvisual things, uh, or very <laughs> visual things on a very audio podcast, and I apologize. Um, long story short, so we, I, we thought there was a story with the nurses that were involved with the Aldman Center, which is also out of Maslin, because they, back in the day would have we were trying to see if there was any kind of story of like a football player who got injured or like had to go to the hospital or like any of these kind of like heroic nursing historical you know whatever like i don't know what we were hunting for at this point in time um so the center of the community seems to be the maslin museum that's where they host a lot of community events whether they're regard like or related to art or not so it was a good central point to just kind of meet up with people and talk to people and things like that. So it was originally booked where I was going to meet with this woman who was like the old head of like the nursing school or whatever the heck it was over there. I, I, it's so long ago, so early in the project, I don't even remember. So that ended up kind of like turning into a dud. Like she wasn't very responsive. She didn't really have a lot to say. She didn't think anything that she was doing was super interesting and she was i was just like oh my god like i am like literally reaching down this woman's throat to pull out any fucking answers about <laughs> anything and i was just like struggling and i was trying to I, like I, it was halfway through the conversation and i was like 
this obviously isn't going to be anything. So, like, let's just let this lady feel comfortable and let's just have the afternoon talking to an old lady. Like, you know, kind of thing. I was like, fuck it. Like, she came out. Let's just make her have a fun day because obviously this is not going to be usable information. We're not going where we want to (laughs) go. Not at all. So, like, but what it ended up turning into is she's like, oh, well, like, the kind of questions you're asking, those would be perfect for this other woman over here. And I want to say that her last name is Kinsman, but I don't know if that's right. Um, so she, as she's mentioning this lady, she's literally walking in the door because there's some kind of like historic nursing exhibit art, whatever the fuck going on in the other gallery. So like planets aligning, you know, skies are parting, whatever the fuck's happening. This lady's walking in the door. So lady I'm there with who is pointless to talk to. I should, I was like, oh, I should have left an hour ago, but like, <laughs> whatever. So she's like, oh, this is the lady you need to talk. Kayserman. Thank you. There sorry. we go. Kayserman's. I'm sorry, Kayserman's. I love you. You're the best. Anyway, I knew it would come to me. Thank you, <laughs> ADD. Um, but yeah, so Sue and Rick Kayserman, that's their name. So she comes in and she's like, yeah, I used to be like the head of like the nursing program or whatever it is. And she starts talking to me and her husband Rick sits down and he starts chit-chatting with me and he starts talking about Paul Brown. But he's not talking about Paul Brown, the football coach. He's like, oh, yeah, Paul was really good friends with my dad. And on the morning of his wife's funeral, he, like, my dad used to own the old Maslin Inn over here, the little motel. And, and Paul Brown, like, I, we served Paul Brown breakfast on the morning of his wife's funeral. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? Did, I'm like, time out. Time out. What the, I'm like, I need your name. I need your information. I was like, holy fuck. Like, who are you? And that was literally like the like that was what we were looking for. We had no connection to Paul Brown to the community. We had no personal connection. Other than he had actually done yeah. stuff. We're like, yeah, he's and then a he moved on into the things. Yeah, yeah, we're like, yeah, he's a football coach. Everybody knows him as this great football coach. We have no human interaction with him. We don't know who the fuck he was as a person. We don't know anything about this guy. And all of a sudden, this guy comes out of nowhere, and he's like, oh yeah. He was friends with my dad and like all I'm like, you have the most heart wrenching story out of this entire book. Like his story ended up literally like my professor was like, I can't even fucking believe that you found this guy. And I was like, (laughs) I can't believe I fucking found this guy. Like, where did he come from? But he told this insane story about the fact that like when he was younger, he was like running around and he thought he was hot shit and he was like dating his wife, Sue, but he was kind of like not super serious, like not willing to like put a ring on it kind of thing, you yeah. know, being that guy and young, stuff. Young guys do that. Yeah. You know, so I guess it was one of those things where I, the moment like when he was telling the story, he said that he reached over to grab Paul's plate and clear his food, like the breakfast, breakfast food. And Paul, I guess, grabbed his hand when he was clearing the plate and he said, do you love her? And he like he knew that he was talking about, like, do you love your girlfriend, like Sue or whoever, you know, and he was like, don't like fuck it up or, don't, <laughs> or, or, or like, don't like the, the waste best, time. the best advice from like old dudes don't or fuck like, it up, dude, or just like, don't like take it for like or whatever he said was just like you don't know what you have kind of thing so i'm like it's literally the morning of his wife's fucking funeral like if that moment didn't hit you like nothing's gonna hit you you are dead inside <laughs> you just go crawl in a hole and die because there's nothing left for you but he was like <laughs> that's he, aggressive but I know. but but he literally said like that was like the moment where he was like i stopped fucking around he's like i literally like, married her he's like it was the best decision i've ever had like they're like so fucking in love and they're like 
well into like probably their 70s at this point, maybe their 80s at this point. And they are just still like, like she has arthritis like really bad through her body. Like this is the kind of love they have, right? He literally built on like an addition to the house where she has one of those like heated lap pools because it soothes her arthritis. So she goes in there every single day. I'm like, dude, what? Like, are you kidding? Like you guys are like, oh my God. But I'm like, it's just those stories. I'm like, we literally have nothing else other than him just being a football coach. We don't have any kind of humanistic, yeah, you know, and I'm like, it took me sitting at a coffee shop with some lady I don't know, having a conversation I did not want to have. Wanting to be out of there. Wanting to be out of there like an hour and a half prior, like, oh, like I got shit to do, you know, <laughs> like, and then this story just falls in my lap, like coming out of nowhere. And like, this guy's like, I still like I have. a Okay. So we went over to his house to, to record his interview. And we're going to transcribe it to be like an actual. Is it just uh, audio? Do video as well? This is just audio because it was meant to be a print book. So we were audio recording so that we could transcribe it correctly uh, later. So we would ask like certain questions and stuff like that. But we would just have them like elaborate and then kind of transcribe it down and then format it into a story that would fit on the page basically. Gotcha. Um, But so he was so excited and he was like, I got to show you guys this thing. So we're like, all right, let's go see whatever this crazy guy's got to show us. Right. So he takes us down in his basement. Dude, this guy has legitimately the biggest toy truck collection on the entire planet. He says the only reason he doesn't call the world record company is because he doesn't want people bothering him. His basement is covered from floor to bottom. He's got showcases full. He's got like islands. Like there are literally paths through this man's basement. There are toy trucks everywhere. Like semi trucks, like every like every kind of thing you can possibly fucking think of, and then he's like, "Yeah, my son's got another like seven thousand or whatever at his," and I'm just like, "Jesus!" He's like the combination of both of our truck collections together, and I'm just like, "Holy shit!" So I'm like, by doing one project, like you were introduced to like sixty five other projects, yeah. and you're just like, "I gotta stand because right? <laughs> I feel like I really gotta get like, you know, not like out of here." But like, so when we did the book opening. He brought me this tiny little truck. It's like two inches long and it's this little pink truck, but it's from the 50s because they used to like air blow this plastic in a way where it would kind of like poof it and like make the shape. And like they used to do like there's a, a hot market for like lawn ornaments around Christmas time and stuff like the air blow like plastic things okay. and stuff. Um, but yeah, so they used to do this certain thing like back in the 50s and it's just like this little like hauler truck and it was like in this little like bag and like that's just like it's it's probably something you would literally find in like a five cent bin at some weird market in like an antique place or whatever that i wouldn't even think twice about and now i'm like i'll never throw it out like because it's the coolest fucking thing i've ever like and i'm like those are like because it it means something though because like you can you can tie something back to it which is important Mm -hmm. well i have the memory of a fucking goldfish so everything like the practice of mindfulness but also like the practice of just taking pictures of different moments and stuff like along that to draw you back to that moment yeah because i'm like there's like i obviously i haven't gotten married yet but when i you know i think of like my best friend she got married and like she chose a photographer and like it was interesting to like be part of the wedding and see how it was to be on the other side of the lens because that's something i've always wondered about is like well there's a comfortable balance in wedding photography between like you don't have the patience to sit there and wait months and months and months to get to know these people to get them to do what you want them to do to get those pictures. Like you got a night and you got to fucking nail it or else you don't get your money and you have a really angry 
bride and groom. Yeah. Like, so there's like a balance and he did these really cool like tricks where he would like set you up where you're standing in the right spot but then he would do like a second phase that would like get you to really do like the funny thing so like it was interesting to see how he worked so like for example like the whole female wedding party like the female side of the wedding party he stood the bridesmaids. Us in, yes those girls plus the bride so we're all standing there and you know he's like put your shoulder on her and you lean this way and you do this so he posed us so we're all like standing in the right spot and then he said i don't want you to say anything but I want you to think of the filthiest word you can possibly, like the meanest, filthiest. Don't say it. Just think it. He's like, when I count to three, you're going to turn to the girl next to you and you're going to say that word out loud. So we're all standing there like, oh, God, you know, like, what are we about to say? So then he's like, one, two, three. And I turn. And I'm just like, cunt. <laughs> girl next to me but what the funny thing was is we all immediately erupted into laughter, laughter. Yeah. and it was the most genuine fucking picture but i'm like yeah like you're showing your grandma the album and you're like you don't know i just fucking call all my friends a bitch and a cunt and a slut and a <laughs> somebody's, a twat, somebody's a twat waffle <laughs> somebody was a twat waffle in there that day like somebody had it. but i'm like these are these fun little tricks where i'm like yeah like everybody not like I, I don't know. I'm always like, it's cheating if it's not like if you're. Well, yeah, if you're, but but I'm like, but it's you're it's, not. As long as you're capturing the honest, simple moment, which is the laughter, which is what you're after. I don't think it much matters how you get there. Obviously, if they if it can happen naturally, that that's probably the best way. Mm-hmm. But if you have to manufacture it in a situation like that, where hey, you've only got so many shots, you've got to get it. Everybody's tired. Everybody's cranky. Everyone's food. Everyone start drinking. They're done with the wedding stuff. Like, let's do this thing. You know, yeah, so like, I get it. Regardless of the energies of like who you're photographing, though, like you all like it's such. Oh my god, it's insane. Like I'm like, dude, just elope for fuck's sake. Everything is like <laughs> from the time you wake up in the morning, it's like you got two hours to do this, and you got an hour to do that, and you got to be here, and then you got. I'm like, you have like an hour. Like get up on the top of the hill and take that picture. I don't give a shit if the sun is out. I don't give a shit if it's pouring rain. Like you got an hour to take the picture of your dreams. Go get it. It's like. <laughs> Okay, no pressure. No pressure. Like, so you have to have tricks up your sleeve because as a wedding photographer, your goal is to deliver. That is your goal. Your goal is not to tell, like, you're, yeah, at the same time, it's a, it's, a, it's a goal to tell the story of that day. But it's also really wise for people to go look at photographers' profiles and see what they pay attention to. Okay. Because at the end of the day, like, it's the same thing with tattoos. It drives me nuts when people are, like, go on Facebook and they're like, hey, who's a good tattoo artist? And it makes me cringe because I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah, what kind of tattoo do you want? What style do you like? Yeah, like, what, do you uh, like how, how big of a piece do you want? Do you want how far work? do you want to travel? Like, like I don't know what the fuck do you want it to look like, good or garbage? Like, yeah, if I go to like a oil painter and I'm like, hey, I know you do oil painting, but I really, really like this crayon thing over here. Could you make it up for me? Like, it's probably gonna look like shit because he doesn't <laughs> know what he's doing. Like, it's the same thing. Like, if you want an an, an extremely like very posed, very like artistically shot wedding then you have to look for a photographer who takes pictures like that who thinks outside the box who puts like leaves in front of your face or does weird shit like to make those pictures happen like you gotta like this stuff doesn't just like happen like you're gonna see a trend in their photographs like if you don't like anybody else's photographs and you're like oh my wedding's gonna be different no it's fucking not no it's not no no it's not we all the same shots we all the same shots yeah like just different people in it like there was my like when I went to um a thing with my friend like I'm like I'm not saying I'm like an expert photographer at all like everybody has their own style 
and everybody has their own thing that they're attracted to. Like art and beauty are all very much in the eye of the beholder. But my personal opinion, I was like, you got to have good lighting. You got to make sure things are in focus. Those are like bare, bare requirements for me. Unless, Sounds like essential things. Unless it's like an artistically planned shot where like the out of focus aspect is playing a part with what you're trying to do and it doesn't look like a mistake, then like, okay, then like you're really good and kudos to you and fucking great for your style. But like, I distinctly remember this one photographer who who blew up this photo to be like a poster size like representation of what they do at the show right and it was this groom and he was dipping the bride but when i like went up and looked at the photo like the movement of the bride's head like he didn't have like the shutter speed or the flash or something wasn't synced up or like her entire face was blurry no and i was like cool concept but like you didn't deliver like if i was a bride i would be like sweet but you can't even fucking tell that's me so like, why in the hell would you choose that photo out of your entire, like, photo collection? Like, you know, like, you're at a trade show. Like, you've, you have, let's just say, for example, you've got three photos behind you that are going to catch people and make them go, ooh, I want to go talk to that guy. And that's the fucking photo, like, an out-of-focus, blurry fucking photo. Like, that's the one you pick? And I, like, looked at my friend, I was like, no. She's like, I just want his card. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, run away. I'm like, no, 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 run no, 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 Run no, no. away. No, don't no, walk. No, 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 Run. And the other thing is like, I get a little bit irritated. Like, yes, I do think that some very good photographers are out there. And I think that they develop gorgeous photography in beautiful, beautiful ways. And they have worked their asses off over a period of years to be like, I demand a higher end premium price for what I'm going to deliver. And I completely agree with that. Good for you. But there's some of these photographers who are like, um, it's $2,000. I'll get there right before the start of the wedding. It's a totally extra package. If you want me to be there in the morning when you're getting ready and all this, and you're like, seriously, like, can you just fucking be there the whole time and get the whole kit and caboodle, like for just one price like and that's like the thing is like everyone's like wheeling and dealing and making packages doing all this shit and i'm like you're missing like you're you're missing the point <laughs> like and for me like that's just what it is i'm like i love the photographer she picked because it was like two thousand dollars he got there in the morning he was there with us all day and like the idea was like we were warmed up to him by the time we were up on this like hill taking pictures like chugging beer in a fucking bar and waiting for the bride and groom to get down because they like snuck off to do their own pictures and the wedding party was just like dropped off on the top of this like country ass hill like in a golf cart with beer and we're like what are we waiting for <laughs> like we don't even know what's happening we're just getting drunk up there on a hill like fuck it like what else have we got going on you know so it's just like we were already warmed up to him. So when he finally came back and he was like, this is what you're going to do. He's like, it sounds fucking weird, but just hear me out. And he would like make us do these weird things. And like, of course, like the end picture was super cool, but it was just like, you know, we had warmed up to him at this point. Like if he had just gotten there and we were already like three sheets to the wind, like, <laughs> like we have our, like we had already gotten, like, who are you? What do you yeah, want? I'm Get like, out of here. Um, we already had like a whole bottle of crown at the hotel. Now we're at the venue. Like we're, we are way past any, like, you know, you need to speed up to get to the show here, buddy. You know, like, but it's just i don't know it's just it seems like a lot of like wheeling and dealing and i'm like i you better produce the most gorgeous photos i've ever seen in my entire life if you're only gonna come for like three hours and charge me like three thousand dollars for a couple like come on like i don't know it's just 
seems a little ludicrous. But that's like, that's why I love like the the visual storytelling part of it is because like your timeline is based off of whatever story you want to tell. And you aren't pressured to manipulate photos to make sure you get them. Like you either get them or you don't get them. Like you work with what's there and you have access to what's there. And it could be a a six month story. It could be a 20 year story. It could be whatever story you want it to be. But like you are, you have the control over what parts of that story you're telling. And you have a vision in your head that you are trying to portray. And like, you don't have some bossy person like, <laughs> no, I need to look like this. No, you fucking don't. Yeah, it's got to like, be done this day or this week or this yeah. weekend or whatever. It's like, no, it's like it gets done when I get the shots that I need. Like there's a photo project blanking out of the name. Super great with this, aren't I? Um, <laughs> that I remember referencing back in college that was like this guy who spent, I don't know if it was 15 years or 20 years or whatever the difference was, but he photographed this farmland and then he photographed like it had been turned into like a housing complex or something like that, like over the years. And he had taken all these like pictures that he did. They're called, um, there's diptychs, which are two pictures side by side. And then there's triptychs, which are three pictures side by side to kind of formulate like a mood or like a vision so like in triptychs like the center one would be like let's say like a wide shot of a room okay and then the two pictures on the side would be details like let's say like an antique doorknob or whatever you know just to like kind of bring everything together gotcha so he would make trip or um diptychs which are two different pictures standing next to each other that were really 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 similar um moods that were seemingly taken in the same spot but over generations of time so like one picture would be like somebody that was in the middle of the, the cornfield or the farm field and they have like a hoe or whatever farm tool they have and they're digging into the ground. So they kind of have that stance where their arms out, the tools in the ground, they're kind of standing. And then it's next to a kid that's playing street hockey now. Okay. In the street that is now where the farm used to be and he's holding his the hockey same kind stick of stance. in the same exact stance. But I'm like, that took fucking 20 goddamn years to find that diptych. Like you're that's you don't plan that shit. That's when you've taken so many goddamn photos, you your brain's ready to explode and you set them all out in front of you and you start seeing the nuances. Like, like the patterns Yeah, maybe? and you start seeing like, okay, hold on, like that and that go together. Like I can't tell you how many times we took over a Kent State lecture hall with our tiny little pictures printed out and we spent hours in there. Hours just going over like, well, that picture is really good, but so is that picture. But what story is that picture telling versus what story is that picture telling? And we would just rip pictures out. That would It would be like ripping off a bandage off of like a wound. Or yeah, because like, it's something ah! you're proud of. It's a great shot. Yeah. Everything's good about it. But like, like you had said earlier, if it doesn't tell the story that you want it to tell, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit in this project. And it's so hard to be like, God damn it, like I love that photo and that photo's great standing alone, but like, yeah, nope, it doesn't. <laughs> gotta re- and that's the hardest part is like, you gotta pull your ego out of it and, and you gotta realize. Well, that's such a hard like, thing for that, people but to that do. But that is, it's like, but I think that's the perfect time like throughout the stories, like when you get to those critique moments, like you're at those moments of time where like you're gonna critique what, where you're comfortable at in that story. Because there's a certain part where, like, you're like, this is bigger than me now. And your ego just kind of disappears. And you're like, this doesn't have anything to do with me anymore. This has to do with this person. And you start seeing their stories becoming more bold 
and whatever that like no one gives a fuck about you dude like you are in the background same thing when you watch it are you thinking about the producer when you're watching a movie no you're thinking about john wick or whoever the fuck is on the screen like blowing shit up and you know because you're not thinking about them because they did a really good job and that's the point yeah you shouldn't be they almost they almost become invisible because they did their job so well like if you don't know the name of the producer or the director or whoever like they not well director is a little bit different if you're you might disagree if you're like a giant like cinema person, but like for me, it just like goes and like watches movies. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know who everybody is, and if I can get lost in the story, that's like kind like kind of the point. Like I don't, I don't want to be distracted by like all these other things and thinking about all these other things and thinking of actors in different movies and stuff. Like I want to get lost in the story that you are trying to tell me. Yeah, but I think certain people are better storytellers than others, which is important about that. Like. I love movies, but I don't go watch a lot of new movies. I don't have cable. I, I mean, I just recently got Netflix. I mean, it's like I typically just watch DVDs. I've got a large DVD collection, and I'm the kind of crazy asshole that can watch movies over and over and over again. I love all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love, like, the, all the gag reel stuff. I mean, I love that shit. To me, it's so fascinating. I love watching uh, the movie again with the director's commentary, what they were thinking, what they wanted to shoot, what they were trying to portray. Like, I love that stuff. To me, I, I geek out on it. So it's like I pay attention to directors and producers because I think they're much better at making the films than the actual actors are. Like, a lot of people will look for actors they like, maybe Tom Cruise or Will Smith or or uh, Chris Pratt or whoever. Like, I like that guy. I'm going to go watch his new movie. But it's like I more pay attention to what are movies that I love, not like, but love. And could watch over and over and over again. And I'll find out who directed that, who produced that. <laughs> and then I'll go back and I'll see, okay, what else have they written? What else have they directed? What else have they produced? And I'll start making a list of like, ooh, I want to watch that one. Ooh, I want to watch this one. Like, to me, like, that's how I try to find some of my movies because usually, like, their, their kind of storytelling takes over and it becomes just amazing. So there, since you said you recently got Netflix, I have to ask: Did have you seen? I think it's called "The Movies That Made Us." No, it's a show. I, I believe that's on the name on of Netflix. It. I've essentially watched comedy specials and Supernatural. Well, we need to get you. We need that's to get it. You fixed up. We need to get you fixed up. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So there's. I believe this is the title. I could be wrong, but it's it's really close to what I'm saying. Um, I think it's called "The Movies That Made Us" or something along those lines. But it is. It backtracks to like those iconic films, and I'm distinctly remembering. I think it was Home Alone two, classic, or maybe it was Home Alone one. I think classic. Was, Home Alone one, I think, is the one they were specifically talking about. Um, but they were talking about like, and I didn't realize that the director of that, I think it was the director of that, or the producer, one of the two, was also the director producer of like Sixteen Candles and like all those like very cult classic yeah. films. Excuse me. The beer is getting to me. Excuse me. <laughs> it's getting to you. I'm being a lady. Let me burp right quick. <laughs> oh, my God. But so, yeah. So, basically, it was kind of like this whole behind the scenes of like how, number one, how close the movie almost didn't even happen because they almost lost funding. Really? And all this crazy Home stuff. Alone? behind. Oh, yeah. It almost didn't happen. The guy who was like really, really wanting it to happen, I think he got like fired from the company and he went and started like another company and then he like bought the rights or told them that if they didn't do the movie, they were fucking stupid. I don't know. You got to go back and watch it. It was show. directed by Christopher Columbus or Chris Columbus. I was like, no, it wasn't. Not, not that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's he's a epic um Director. Yeah, but he's Let's, also like 16 Candles. I'm trying and like, to find his uh, um, filmography. What's the other Here one? Here we go. Here we go. The Breakfast Club. So uh, you what want I, pr- producer, written, or director? Let's go director. 
Keep going. So what I was super interested in, well, the one part of the, the film was that, so you remember the iconic scene with the wet bandits at the end of the movie where Kevin is trying to like fight the bad guys and he runs across the street and he goes into his neighbor's basement and it's flooded. Do you remember that scene? Uh-huh. Okay. They built that entire house. Okay. So that whole movie, a lot of that movie, the house and everything was filmed. The set that they could afford was actually the set that was, it was built inside of the old high school that 16 Candles and all that. Or, really? Um, was, or um, Breakfast Club was shot in because it was an abandoned school at that point. So the, the scene where he's running through the flooded basement is act, that whole entire house is actually a set built inside of the pool in that school. No. So that they could flood it. Because it's inside of a fucking pool. That's cool. Isn't that the crazy? I'm just like, what? See, I, 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 love shit, I love shit like that. <laughs> but that's part of like, it's the magic later because well, it's it, magical. It must, be, it must be one of the producers because one and two is both Chris Columbus and he did not direct those movies. Okay. Somebody was involved with yeah. it. I don't know. I don't know if they were involved with it directly or if that's just like that was the connection was the place that that was filmed was also where this was no, filmed. I'll, Maybe I'll, that's the connection. I would be 100% certain it would be one of the producers, but I'm not but, sure which one. It's just, I think half the magic, though, is that they hid it so well when it was actually being experienced, like, and you found out later, and you're like, what? And I'm like, that's half of the, like, fun, though. Like, there's so many photographers where I look at their stuff, and I'm like, I can guarantee you that regardless of what they photograph next, I'm going to see photograph style A, B, and C somewhere in that lineup. Because... Those are their comfort shots, and that's what they yeah. resort back to, which is fine. But, like, I don't know. I, I was just – I love the excitement of, like, having to be forced to acknowledge what's happening around you. What is the lighting like? What is the weather like? You know, where are your opportunities? Pay attention. Like, you have to, like, look at the surroundings around you. Like, what time of day is it? Is the sun going to be casting a different shadow in an hour, which can make a totally different – photo which is going to make a totally different opportunity like you have to pay attention to everything going on and and you have to line up the opportunity of the subject matter with the perfect lighting and the perfect scenario and like sometimes to get that to happen naturally it takes a really long time and a lot of patience like there's a photo in here that i love and i'll I know I'm looking through it here and nobody else can see it, but I will will talk about it because I can talk about it outwardly without needing to refer to it. But it's just this really like dreamy cinematic kind of photo that somebody took on the outside of a, it was like next to the bleachers and the way that their stadium is set up is their, their home and away direct locker rooms are underneath the bleachers. They're like these giant stone bleachers. So they're not like the little, metal bleachers were like your locker room somewhere off disattached it's very much like a college kind of feel to the stadium okay so their locker rooms are right underneath the bleachers so one of the photographers took a picture and it's like this kid leaning on a bench outside of the um, locker room and there's another kid that's inside the locker room and he's kind of got his head hanging and there's a spotlight like cascading over the door and like the sky is like kind of like that that just after dusk like super blue sky and it's just it almost looks like an oil painting just like the like the subtlety of it all well, yeah i mean it almost doesn't even look like a real picture exactly but the point is is like that didn't just like fucking happen 
Like, the photographer spotted that door, spotted that light, saw the way the light was hitting, knew that, like, if certain people were walking in the door at a certain time, it was going to hit them in a certain way. Like, and he fucking stalked that door for probably hours and games and waiting, waiting for anybody to just walk past and make the perfect photo. And then he snapped it. Like, that's what the difference is. Is like, I'm not sitting here being like, I need the shot, so let me set up the lights and get it perfectly, and then boom, we're done in an hour. Yeah. I'm stalking your ass for like, um, <laughs> like a month. Stalking mo- sounds such, like, but such that, a harsh term. I know, but, but that's what we're doing. It's <laughs> like, but that's what it is. It's like, you wait for that opportunity. Like, there's a picture I have, like, that, you know, if you don't recognize it, that's the, that's the other opposite part, is if you don't recognize it, you miss it. So there's a picture I have where I was up in one of the press boxes because there's the press box they use to actually make the announcements for the game. And then there's the press box on the other side of the field that they dress up and make extra tickets for and, you know, have um, catered dinners and people can go up there and watch the game and like the comfort and warmth of a heated enclosed space. And, Sounds you know, like a loge box. Oh, it is. It's a, it's a <laughs> loge box for a high school, 100%. But so I was up there like waiting for the game and kind of just like seeing who trickled in and just kind of getting a feel for the area. So like I could kind of tell like, all right, well, here's the sun now. So like by this time at night, like scoreboard might be lit up and I can maybe get the scoreboard light like reflecting off of somebody's face or, you know, so you start kind of thinking of like all these different yeah. things that you can maybe like set yourself up for to take a picture. And I noticed this like tiny little old man who looked like he was about to break in half at like any moment, just like one step in it, like up the stairs, like, uh, 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 like just getting it up the stairs and he's like wiggling his way across the bleachers he's all hunched over like total c formation like oh my god i was like i just want to come down and help you walk like, across the bleachers but i have this gorgeous photo of him just like walking and like the whole bleachers are empty except for him and his little cushion just like curled over like walking across the bleachers and like it would normally not be anything Except you realize later that, like, the season tickets in this stadium are passed down by generations. Like, if you have season tickets to your family, like, they don't leave your family. They go to the grandkids, and then they go to, like, and you will have these season tickets. Like, your grandparents sat in those seats. Like, that's how strong this community is. And I realized after I took that picture, I never saw that guy again. I literally looked for him every fucking game. He never came back. At least I could see. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hope he's okay. But I'm like, but I'm also thinking, like, what if I didn't snap that picture? So it is like a battle with, like, you take the picture, you recognize it, you notice the things like, God, if I just, like, waited for, like, this moment or this thing, like, I can make it better. And then you try to make it better. But at the same time, like, sometimes, like, what you get is what you get. And I'm like, (laughs) there's multiple people who, like, literally died in the course of this project, like, People who are like very old and like boost like old boosters and like staples of the community. The like, we got that one picture. We don't have a chance for her, you yeah, know, unfortunately. That's all she wrote. So you got to work with it. You know, <laughs> but that, that that makes a lot of sense. So it's interesting now. Like I've kind of started taking more pictures of like just nature and outside and things that are less people esque because the only difference with people is. When you decide to photograph them, your schedule has to wrap around their schedule. So if you yeah, can't with, with do nature, that, it can wrap around your schedule. Abs- well, to a point, depending on what you're trying to photograph. But yeah, I mean, it's like, well, if you have a dance recital at this day at this time, yeah, like, you got to be there for that. Yeah, or like exactly. a wedding. I'm like, uh, yeah, like you, you've got that one day to capture all these shots. You don't have five years to do exactly. this project. 
but so like nature is much more forgiving because I'm like, okay, well, I've started paying attention to the clouds and the weather. And like, so I know if it's summer and a huge thunderstorm just rolled in, but there's like a chance of sun just after the thunderstorm and right before sunset, like we're about to have a bomb ass sunset because there's going to be a lot of clouds in the sky. There's going to be a lot of water droplets and things up in the clouds that cause like the reflection, which cause all the colors and everything like that. And I'm getting like, I'm like, I'm a nerd for clouds now all of a sudden. I'm like, I can spot those clouds. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a guy. I got to get my tripod. We got to go. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a nerd. But I'm like, you plan for that. Yeah, and and dare I say you probably already have spots picked out. We know the shots are going to be great. So you go there and you get your shots. I may or may not have got escorted off of some property by a park ranger a time or two for being in places I should not be. But once I realized I wasn't like actually vandalizing, vandalizing places, like smoking or, drugs and doing whatever, like well, come on. I went on a mountain bike course when the mountain bike course was definitely closed because it was obviously, like I just said, after a thunderstorm. So like my dumbass parked outside the gate with my bike rack still in the back of my car. Like I didn't take my bike there with me, but like from duh thinking about it after the fact like if i'm a park ranger driving by and there's some jackass who just parked outside of a mountain bike course with an empty bike rack on the back of their car like what the fuck you else have to are assume you they're yeah. There riding, yeah like what the hell else are duh so i i heard the car door and as soon as i heard the car door i was like here he comes i know he's coming up that hill and 10 seconds later i was like hello officer <laughs> like, are they really just, officers or they're, they're park rangers i don't know they're well it's officer yeah ranger i don't know I don't ranger know. might be a better term i don't, I don't, I don't think they're actual like, police officers i feel like he he liked the term officer hey if he hasn't been through a potter he hasn't he hasn't earned that his name is officer Budajev, <laughs> and he's pretty sweet okay he's very nice shout out to you ranger Budajev. Boop, boop. thanks thanks Budajev. <laughs> but yeah so yeah he definitely came up and he was like i understand that you're like you're not vandalizing anything he's like but you know from the park's perspective like we can't obviously have you parking outside the gate with a bike rack or without a bike rack on your car in the park. And I, I was trying to be the smart ass where I'm like, well, the sign technically says that the trails close at dusk. I'm not using the trails. And he was like, yeah, nice try. That's not going to work. <laughs> Damn it. Like, well, shit. <laughs> but I think he like, it was funny though, because I was like the first time I really talked to a park ranger. I usually try to like avoid them. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Leave me alone. Like, and run into the woods. Like, oh, like, I just want to be out here on my own, like exploring in my own space, you know? But after I talked to him, he's like, you know, if you make friends with us, we actually got access to some pretty sweet places that other people can't go. And I was like, you make a very solid point, officer, sir. Um, So, yeah, now I'm like trying to make it a point to say hi and introduce myself to different rangers and stuff that I see because it is real. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who come through the park system over by us, which is the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, you know, and like it's hard to remember that like that is a national park, just like we would go visit any other national park. Like people live by those too. <laughs> like it's in their backyard too. So it's it's interesting because you, I'll, I'll see people occasionally like pull over and they're like hanging off of the sign, like taking pictures. I'm like, why the fuck are you taking pictures of this sign? I'm like, oh yeah, it's. It is a national park, like, just because it's in my backyard, like, it's new to other people. Because they're traveling from out of state, most likely. Exactly. So, I'm like, the more that the park rangers see me and see my car and know that, like, oh, that's just this crazy bitch taking pictures, (laughs) like, you know, that, that, like, then they will be like, oh, she's fine and she's not doing anything because I do have a love for the earth and I do have a respect for 
you know, you, you, it's leave no trace. Like you don't, it's going to piss me off. Sorry. I've been hiking a lot lately. And with quarantine, I feel like everybody who doesn't normally hike is out hiking. Yeah, there's nothing else they can really do. I have so never it's like seen more dog shit bags on a fucking trail. I, it infuriates that's me. That's not surprising at all. It infuriates me. Because dog owners me. are assholes most of the time. The point Some of are you, good, oh my God. but most are shits. The point of you going out in the woods and enjoying nature is part of it. I'm sorry for people who don't know this. Let me introduce you to this concept in case you don't know and you're new to the hiking and nature scene. There is a concept called leave no trace, which means whatever you bring in, you take back out. So it looks like you weren't there at all because that's what nature is. <laughs> it's not so you can go out in the river and build your little rock piles and balance rocks and all that shit that everyone thinks is so pointless and do it for the gram and all that crap. No, because those impede river flow. You're not supposed to do those. You're not supposed to do all that shit. There's dog shit bags and used diapers and t-shirts and beer cans and shit all over the place and i'm like how hard is it to take a book bag with you and throw your fucking shit in your book bag and take it back out to your car like yeah be a responsible human being assholes oh my god it's it's not that tough it really isn't asking all that much let's be real honest here i mean it's a pretty simple concept and that's part of the reason why i'm like can we just have like things open back up so that all these non-naturey people who all of a sudden just decided to get into nature can go back into what they want to do because it's not I'm 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 happy and I'm so excited that people are out mountain biking and hiking and exploring nature and doing all this stuff that's great I'm so happy that you guys are recognizing the beauty of the natural world around you however it's bringing out a whole group of people who don't normally come outside and they don't know how to act. And <laughs> seriously, though, that's what it is. They're not prepared. They leave garbage everywhere. I saw a girl literally climbing a fucking hill that was like at like a probably 25, 30 degree angle and like wedge shoes the other day. I'm like, oh, for love of God, like, do you not own hiking boots? Like, first of all, when you fall, I am going to laugh. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, it's... That's why we play the game Do It For The Gram because it's it's so easy to spot them. You're like, oh, that girl has no idea what she's in for. Yeah. Like that outfit on her ears, like, no, yeah. like stop it. <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. I just, just have a respect for the world around you and just see it as it is. Like there's something to say for swallowing your ego for five seconds and just noticing the beauty as it sits in front of you. You don't got to pick up a fucking rock and make some little tower and balance shit and like just just sit there and enjoy the river. Like it is what it is and like It's it's beautiful if you leave it alone. Exactly. But if you don't, it won't be beautiful anymore and no one's going to want to go out there. It's kind of sad that like the only parks and areas we have are ones that are quite literally like protected by the government because the second anybody sees an open space splotch of land they're like oh what can we build on it dude chill out let's maybe try to grow a fucking tree for a couple years like oxygen might be important (laughs) slightly but it's just Just slightly you know eh, i don't know it's gonna get me off in a whole another realm of (laughs) craziness i don't think we need to go there tonight (laughs) no not today that's a whole another realm but respect nature people it's all you need to know yeah you yeah (laughs) stop throwing your beer cans in the fucking woods (laughs) Take them with you. Yes. And stop taking stupid Instagram pictures 
Nobody cares. Pretty much. All right. I'll tell you what. I think that's a great play, uh, point to wrap this one up. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for coming on. Sorry to bore everyone. You who... didn't bore anybody. It was great. That was a lot of the, fun. The three. Wait. We had two people earlier. The one person who is still on but probably sleeping. I'm so glad you held out. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I, I know he's still listening. All right. <laughs> All right. Do you want to promote any uh, social media or anything? Oh God, for what? I, I'm, I'm just for asking. Me? Some people do. Some people don't. I mean, I don't. Do you want know. people to follow you? All, all, all. Yes. You know, all of my me. tens of listeners. Ooh, stalk me. I love it. No, don't stalk me. Just kidding. No, I mean, I don't really have like a, a space really for like a lot of my stuff. I guess you could say, but I do have an Instagram, and I do occasionally post my canon photos not just my cell phone photos on that space so it's just think big underscore draw tiny (laughs) (laughs) yes i draw things too on very small scale that's where that came from fair enough business card scale tiny tiny stuff all right if you want to go check out some more caitlin stuff you can find it there and uh, maybe we can twist her arm, have her come back on some other time. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. What avenue do you want to have me go down? Because I'll go down a lot hey, of sides. Whatever rabbit holes we get to, they're, they're, those are the best parts of the conversation. Just call me Alice. Just <laughs> go on a journey. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, we will see you guys next time. All right, well, that wraps up another great episode. That was a lot of fun. I definitely enjoyed myself. Hopefully, you guys did too, and you got to know Caitlin a little bit. We certainly had a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can twist her arm into coming back on, although I'm not so sure she's going to run at the chance to get right back on. Uh, I think she was definitely uh, a little bit overwhelmed at the beginning, but hopefully, she had a good time. If you guys are still listening, I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of your support. It means the world to me. It really does. But I still need your help. Please, 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 let's go out and leave the show some five-star reviews. Make them fun. Make them interesting. Make them entertaining. It's always a good time. But those really help the show get bumped up in the rankings so hopefully new people can find the show. Well, that's all we have time for this week. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.